man, it's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute, but we're back. It's Lopez Radio, episode 357. You found us hopefully on lopezradio.com or wherever you get your podcast. You can follow the show at Lopez Radio. Uh, and you can check me out on Twitch if you want to. It's uh, twitch.tv slash, you guessed it, Lopez Radio. Um, stream every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Joining me today is a gentleman who I've been wanting to have on the show for quite a while. He's a fellow streamer. Um, he's someone that uh, is just a whole lot of fun to to watch. You can check him out on twitch.tv slash fudge. You can also check out his music. He actually did the intro to this show. It's uh, spuntastic on Bandcamp. I'll have links to all of his stuff on lopezradio.com. Uh, fudge, welcome in, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. Doing really well. Good to be here. Finally, yeah. finally get around to do this. Yeah, I feel like we've been trying to like talk it through for a while, but we finally got it going and I'm really excited about yeah, it. Yeah, man. Um, I've been having like, you know, leading up to this, I was, I was telling you right before we started, like I've been trying to run around and get a bunch of shit done at the house and stuff like that. And I've been like struggling lately to like, I thought it was sleep related, um, but I've been struggling to like, focus on things and and uh, i guess just kind of get my my shit in order i guess is more like it but uh i went to so i, I used to take uh this stuff called alpha brain and it's kind of like a cognitive um nootropic just something that helps you kind of focus nothing that's it's all natural stuff it's nothing that's like a drug or anything like that but um i just i couldn't i almost took one before we started and it's kind of like the stuff you mix into water <laughs> Um, and it's kind of peach flavored and like I smelled it and I like gagged like for some reason it's like making me sick so I was like I can't take this like I was literally That's about good. to call you and I was like I can't I can't take this I, I don't know what to do <laughs> um, have you ever taken anything like a nootropic or any kind of thing for cognitive function uh, no not really there was a time when I was uh, in university a lot of friends of mine um, were taking what's the word of it like the the usual drug that you give to people who have uh, ADHD oh, to oh. like focus more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Adderall and Adderall yeah and uh, people friends of mine who were like studying with me at the time uh, they were taking this in order to just you know get more shit done mm -hmm. and be more focused for a longer period of time even though they like didn't really need it and they, there was like a whole almost like a black market going on mm. uh, in our in our friends group because it's, it's a bit difficult to get it here in Germany. I don't know how it is um, in uh, in America. It's, um, but yeah, but I, I always I always refused it because I, I thought to myself, if I can't like focus without any enhancements of some sorts, then there's something else going on and I need to figure that shit out first. Yeah. So that was kind of like always my approach to this. I think, I, I don't know. Like I said before, I don't think it's sleep related because I've gotten pretty good sleep lately. Not, you know, whatever that even means, you know, but but more than more than what I usually get. And uh, I think it's just more so you get so many things on your plate and going between work and, you know, creative projects you might be working on and just, you know, the day-to-day the -day things of just keeping, you know, normal shit working in your life. And I guess it's piling just, up, yeah. Yeah, stuff just kind of piles up after a while. And I don't know, I guess it was just kind of like, uh, I was, you know, usually it's like coffee. Coffee kind of gets me feeling normal, but today it just wasn't doing it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like I had, I had like a, um, I had a girlfriend one time that, that took 
a lot of that stuff that that you were talking about, like Adderall. She took something called Concerta, which was like a time release kind of Adderall type thing. And I had I had done that before. I had taken it before. It wasn't uh, it wasn't like a habitual thing, but like we would go and like you know go out and party and and you know go out to the bar and I'd have to work super early because I I did like merchandising, like retail merchandising, and you get a lot of that shit done before the store opens. So it's like six a.m. call time kind of thing. And uh, so I just pop one of those and dude, it's like, it's like you're doing your life's work. It's, 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 you're, you're like this price tag, look how fucking good that thing looks on the shelf. It was, it was so dumb, but you know, later I would talk to other friends who had partied a lot harder than me. Um, I had never done something like Coke or anything like that, but they were like, it's basically just legal Coke. And I was like, oh, okay. No wonder you feel wonderful when you're on Adderall or, or something like Concerta because you just, I don't know, you're just, your brain's just, it's firing a mile a minute, but it's also focused on what it's doing. It's really weird. You would think you'd be scattered all over the place and you're really not, but it's, it's very cocaine-like from what I've been told. Yeah, it's crazy how, um, you almost feel, I don't know, but you almost feel the need to, uh, resort to these things, depending on what you do, obviously, but you know, with our, with our, in our time and our age where everything like gets accelerated and more and more and everything needs to be more effective and more productive. You feel like you as a human being have to start becoming also more and more productive and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can totally see, like, I, I never gave anyone shit for, uh, like doing the Adderall thing. For example, my friends uh, who would, who would do it and then like do 10 hour sessions in the university and, you know, just get shit done because you, you're being pressured into this almost so uh, yeah, y yeah, uh, and they, almost dangerous, right? It's you know what it kind of reminds me of. I, I like I I've never talked to anybody who kind of grew up in in that culture or in in uh, with that kind of pressure, but you hear a lot about that with uh, you know uh, Japanese uh, college students and and business yeah. professionals, where it's like the pressure is so high that it's something you can't imagine where they're working so much that some of them have beds in their office and stuff like that. I can't imagine that level of pressure at all. Yeah, I heard that too, that in Japan, I think it was, uh, they just, you know, put their little beds under their desks and then they, they sleep like an hour or so and then they go back to work just to maximize the efficiency of their day and, and stuff, stuff <sighs> like that. I just, I don't know, man. I, I Like I get, I guess it's different when you are, when it's like a labor of love, like when, when I first was going into radio and like, it's kind of, it was, it had already kind of reached a point, the, uh, the industry where it's, it was really tough to even get in the door. Um, but like when it's a labor of love and something where you're like, I really, really want to do this. I think it's different because it doesn't feel like you're working that hard, but when it's like, absolutely. Yeah. When I need to do this for just for a paycheck, you know, I'm not really enjoying it, but it, it pays me and I, and it, and it helps me support my family or just support whatever my habits are um be it you know buying audio equipment or doing whatever it's it's a little different you know you're just kind of like yeah I'm, I'm paid well but you know at what cost what am i losing you know yeah absolutely it's 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 for me it's the same for me like i can sit on on the pc and do like be it i don't know creating scenes in obs for example like mm -hmm. just a simple example and i can sit here for hours upon hours and just work on this and try to get it done try to get it perfect figure stuff out learn new things via youtube watch videos and all of that and it doesn't really bother me at all having sat here for sex uh, for six hours and 
get, for example, this camp setup that you're seeing right now, get this done and, and you know, figure stuff out. Mm -hmm. it, it always feels good when you see the fruits of your work and you can use it then mm -hmm. in the end uh, compared to like, you know, you're dragging yourself to a job because you, you have to and you're not really, you don't really care too much about what you're doing at your job. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the time expands too and drags on and like yeah i absolutely get that yeah and like you you come home like you're like let's say like so i work in it and i'm just kind of like it's it's very rare that i come home just like man i really got that person's printer going and it feels good you know it's you don't <laughs> <laughs> there's very rare moments you know where you where you even feel like that um so it's it's interesting to deal with because too the the thing i've been struggling with lately is um the the speed at which a week goes by you know, I'm just kind of like, I'll, you know, right now they've got me because of the pandemic we're work we're me and one other person are kind of revolving in the, uh, in the office week to week. So I'll work from home one week and then I'll be in the office the next week. And like particularly, well, I know why it feels like the weeks that I'm working from home fly by because it's kind of, it's kind of nice. You know, you got your own space, you're able to, you know, kind of work at, in a, in a more comfortable setting, I guess. Cause you know, I'm in my, my office, my studio working and it's kind of nice, but yeah. like even the weeks that I'm at, um, at the office, I just feel like next thing I know, I like look down to Monday, I look up and it's like Friday and I'm like, where, where's the middle of the week? Where did all that shit go? <laughs> and I think a lot of that has to do with not even the work, but I think that I just kind of pack my evenings with shit to do as well and like streaming and stuff like that and you know recording a podcast or whatever i might be doing like it's so I, the, it, the weeks go by faster for you when you're at work so when, when you're going into work and like slower when you're at home a little well I th probably the opposite probably a little more a little faster okay. when i'm at home um but I, I don't know if that just is a trick on my mind because I might be sitting in here all day working and then like if it's a stream day I move into my stream and I'm still sitting here you know what I'm saying yeah. so it's so maybe it just feels like but it just feels like almost all the weeks are a little bit of a blur and I don't know if that's because because I'm older and way and, and way more cognizant of the time because I guess looking back I've I've been doing a lot of looking back lately um <laughs> being very nostalgic <laughs> about my life and like I've just been thinking about wow, that feels like it was yesterday, but that was like 25 years ago. You know, some stuff I'm thinking about. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's just maybe it's a, maybe it's that that midlife crisis creeping. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> maybe. Possibly. I had that feeling the other day when I was looking up when the PlayStation 4 actually released because, mm -hmm. you know, PlayStation 5 is coming out and it was 2013. And I was like, what the fuck? I still remember that day mm -hmm. as if it was last week. Seven years ago, and then, and then start to think, like, oh shit, twenty thirteen. That's quite a while. Where did the time go? Well, my brain's just now getting adjusted to the fact that that the nineties are like the bulk of the nineties. We're moving into that stuff was thirty years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm still in that mindset of like, oh, that was just twenty years ago. You know, <laughs> and it's not like it's very much so. 30 years ago now when you're talking about the 90s and it's like it's weird and I was I was discussing with the wife last night um because I'm always interested in like I'm always kind of interested in people's memories and and what what kind of sticks out in their head when they think of a certain point in their life right like so I was kind of like so what 
I was just kind of asking her, when you just think about childhood, what do you think about? And she was kind of struggling too. She was like, it was all kind of a blur. And I was like, I can think of like specific things, like very specific, like things that like toys I was playing with or things I was seeing on TV, which my parents were pretty young when they had me, um, you know, early twenties. And, and so they were very much still figuring their lives out. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about me at 20 and I'm like, man, I'm glad I didn't have a kid at 20. Like, I just, I don't, I don't see, I mean, I guess it kind of forces you to grow up, but I do remember, um, you know, a lot of MTV, a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching as a kid. Um, <laughs> but it was just kind of like, you know, that's, you know, yeah. I mean, when I was 21, 22, like I was watching all these crazy movies and, and, you know, into music and stuff like that. So I remember MTV. Yeah. I watched a lot of MTV. Yeah, really. So was it, um, was it just kind of a pipeline of what was playing in North America or did you guys have like your own kind of set of what was playing in Europe? Well, uh, MTV had these shows, right? Like mm -hmm. MTV Cribs, for example, sure. is, is a show that I can uh, remember and they basically dubbed it, I think. Oh, okay. So you, you had like, it was the same shows, but it was dubbed in German. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, I just remember there was a time, a long period of time where we just, we had MTV always running in the background and just, you know, watching music videos and stuff like that. And uh, a specific memory that I have is I was very big into Korn. The band Korn was yeah. like one of the first like new metal bands that I really got into. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was an entire day back when VHS was still a thing and we had like a VHS recorder and there was an entire day I had my own VHS cassette and I would have it in my VHS recorder watching MTV all day and just waiting for a Freak on a Leash, the music video from yeah. Korn, <laughs> just so I could record it on, on the tape. And I was sitting there for hours, but I did get it in the end. Yeah, it's... And, yeah. It's well, it's it's wild because I I would do that on the radio with new music that came out. Like I would sit there and I'd call and I used to bug the shit out of our local DJs up for just <laughs> random shit. The one that I asked for so much, and it's really embarrassing to think back on it. Not so much embarrassing, but it, more so my my behavior was embarrassing. I would call the radio station every day, a couple of times a day, and request Green Jelly's Three Little Pigs. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. Do you remember that song? No, not at all. So apparently Maynard from Tool was involved in this uh, this group for a little while. They were Green Jello okay. at first, and then but then Jello sued them. And they had to change their name to Green Jelly, and it was like it was like kind of like comedic heavy metal. Um, the song I think their uh, I think their album, the big one, was called Serial Killer, and uh, spelled serial like the cereal you pour in a bowl and eat kind of thing. <laughs> okay, um, and so they had all these like weird songs it was like one of the first cds i ever bought actually um and they had this one song that that was kind of like their one semi hit that was called you know it's just the three little pigs and it was just literally a heavy metal version and telling of the three the story of the three little pigs um and you know ultimately it kind of led up to this thing where um the pigs ended up calling rambo in and rambo just blew the blew the wolf away kind of shit like it was it was so stupid but they would play it every now and then on the radio and I would just call and ask for it all the time. I don't know why I was so obsessed with this shit, but um, it's it's really weird how like, and I'd, I'd sit there and I'd wait with, with my tape ready to go so I could record it. Um, yeah. 
but I remember being super young and and watching MTV when it was just pretty much just exclusively music videos. I was really little, but uh, then yeah, when I got older, um, in the era of Corn, Marilyn Manson, like I was really obsessed with Corn too. I was really obsessed with Marilyn Manson for a while, um, pretty much through late middle school, almost through all of high school. Um, I was kind of obsessed with Corn uh, and Marilyn Manson and and the bands that kind of were attached to those two because you know with that comes oh now I know about you know Deftones now I know about you know Limp Biscuit or whatever yeah. <laughs> exactly um, but I don't know it's uh, it's weird because I, I I do remember that era in MTV as well where you had to if you wanted to watch music videos you had to be like oh they only show music videos from this time to this time so it's like an on purpose thing whereas before you could just turn it on and they were just always on. Yeah, um, and now you get YouTube and you can watch it whenever you want to. Yeah, pretty much. Like YouTube is like your your music videos now, your MTV now. Um, yeah. Do you remember um, when you kind of departed your, like who influenced your listening? Like as you were coming up, like in, when you hit that middle school to high school era, like when you started like finding new music, but do you remember who was like kind of the person or, or maybe the thing you saw that nudged you in that direction of like corn or Absolutely. whatever? Absolutely, um, it was my big brother, actually. My big brother is uh, five years older than me. Mm. And he started one day listening to Limp Bizkit, actually. Mm. And I would, like, he would have it pumped very loud in his room. And I would just listen to it outside of his room. And I would think to myself, oh, man, this is this is cool. I've never, like, really heard anything like this before. So I wanted to know what is this. And then I started to listen to a little bit of Limp Bizkit. The, uh, I think it was the Significant Other album. Mm. And then through Limbiscuit, I actually got to Corn, And then I kind of like started to listen to a lot of Corn with Limbiscuit in the background. And then with Limbiscuit and Break Stuff, the, mm. the song with Break Stuff and the music video with uh, Eminem in it. Yeah. Uh, it led me to Eminem. And then I went over to Eminem. And, and this is kind of like how this whole music thing got rolling for me from like new metal over to hip-hop and uh, from hip-hop to like beats and all of that stuff it's it's interesting how people can like kind of drop that in like drop something into your just kind of into your universe it seems like when you're younger it's just kind of like all of a sudden this yeah. this thing comes out of nowhere and you're like holy shit like what is this i'm used to my dad's classic rock you know leonard skinner credence you know all this stuff and and now it's all this new stuff that my dad would never touch you know and I had two cousins that were probably about, I'm the oldest of my siblings. So I had, I kind of spent the first, I'm about five years older than my, my next youngest brother. Um, so growing up early on, like the next closest semblance of a sibling were two cousins I had that were pretty close in age. They were roughly, I think they're probably like 10 years older than me. Maybe uh, one was, one was a drummer and really liked, uh, rock and heavy metal like he kind of got me into kiss and like iron maiden and you know all these bands that you know were just kind of at for the time for the late 80s early 90s they were kind of the you know the bands that your parents didn't want you to listen to kind of thing yeah. um and then my uh, his brother my other cousin he was a little bit younger and he was all hip-hop iced tea you know all all these all these like mid to late 80s hip-hop 
groups. And so I kind of got the influence from that side as well. So when when it came around that stuff like corn and all this other stuff came out, I was like, this is like both of these people, people's, you know, influence and taste like colliding with each other. And so I really kind of grabbed onto that and um, and really just kind of dug into corn and dug into all those um, all those bands that kind of came along yeah, with them. Kind of like a like a musical uh, evolution. Mm. You have, like you said, you have Kiss and you have Iron Maiden, and they are in one part of the spectrum. And then you have uh, stuff, people like Ice T and Ice Cube, and you have those in the other part of the spectrum. And then, like you say, in the in the '90s, it kind of like started to merge a little bit, especially with like Limp Bizkit was, I think, the one band that I knew at least that really merged these two things like fred durst is almost a rapper instead of like a, a metal singer or frontman or whatever mm -hmm. yeah so yeah I, I totally i totally understand what do you mean yeah it's um it's interesting i mean and and i think back to that time i don't know how much you still listen to all that stuff i mean obviously our chase tastes change as you as you grow up and stuff like that the only band that i really held on to and that i still listen to a lot are the deftones the deftones are, are kind of like but they kind of while they kind of i guess exploded during that time with along with all those other bands they never really kind of fit that mold you know they hung out with a lot of those guys and they they toured with them a lot and they had some similar sounds but it didn't take but an album or two for them to really merge off from that genre um yeah. So I, I listen to them a lot, and then you know I know you're a big Tool fan um, and a Maynard fan, and and a friend got me into Tool sometime in high school, and I was just kind of like this these guys are blowing my fucking mind. So I still listen to them a lot too, um, and uh, it's it's kind of amazing like what you do hold on to and what you still actively listen to um, compared to what yeah, I, I have to say I don't listen to Corn anymore that at least i don't remember when i listened to corn the last time to be honest uh also not limp Bizkit, although i'm still waiting on the new limp Bizkit album which uh, sh should have come out like five years ago or so i don't <laughs> yeah. know what's going on with that uh but yeah like i said tool is the one band that has been a part of my life since 2006 actually like the, the crazy story how i got how I got to find these guys. Do you know something called uh, Rock im Park? Or mm. Rock am Ring? No, not at all. It's like um, Rock am Ring is like uh, probably the biggest, uh, like not concert, what do you call it? Uh, festival. Like the mm. biggest uh, festival uh, goes three days in Germany. And you have like, I don't know, 50 bands or something over the course of three days. And they, they all... Uh, line up and and play live there and i was in 2006 i was uh, at rock im park at the time mm. for for one day because i wanted to see corn corn was playing at that day uh, as, as like a headliner and i got to watch corn and then after that i didn't really know what to do but i didn't like go wanted to go home or something but i paid for the ticket so you know might as well just watch another band or something and then i uh, found Tool and Tool was actually playing the same day after Corn, and I just thought to myself, oh, why not? Let's just check him out. And I was standing there, like in the background too, because like I didn't know what what that band was, so I, I don't really go forward and dance around and stuff. I just wanted to look at them and see what they do. And then they start playing uh, Schism, 
like that classic, the classic tool track that everyone knows. Mm -hmm. And it just, it blew me away so much. I needed to know everything about that band from that point forward. And yeah, since 2006, always, yeah, always been a part. The, those guys have always been, it's been, it's been interesting following them because they've always been really mysterious in the way that they kind of conduct themselves. Like I, I, you found out, I've found out more obviously since the years have gone on, you know, Maynard's been on Joe Rogan a couple times and talked about their, their process for creating, which sounds chaotic, you know, just like, Oh, we'll yeah. just, we'll write something and they'll, they'll call me and I'll put some vocals to it. Like it just is the most spaced out creative process. Like there's never a moment where they even get together and they're like almost in the same space kind of working yeah, on things. It, it almost feels like when you when you hear Maynard talking about it, it almost feels like he's so detached from that band. Like all three of those are like together and they are in the in the band room and they come up with stuff and they play together. And then once they got something, they call him up and then he goes in and just records his lines and, and fucks off again. Yeah, it's like it's almost like it's an afterthought. And I'm like, that's so weird. It's such <laughs> yeah. a gigantic band that sells out every time they go touring and like, you know, worldwide adoration, you know, and it's just kind of like for him, it's just kind of like, oh, I guess I'll take a break from making wine and I'll go record some vocals, exactly, you know, yeah. send it over, see what they think. And, you know, it's like this, it's, it's kind of, you know, I was reading a lot about the Deftones. They just had a album come out um, last month and it's very similar. So this is the first time they've actually gotten back to like gotten back together to to do like the full recording session. Like before, they were kind of doing a similar thing where, you know, two of them would write like a riff and and a beat, and and they would kind of work on something, and then they'd send it to you know to Chino, who's living somewhere else. They're all living in like three different parts of the country, and I'm just kind of like in your head, especially when you're younger, you're like, oh these guys are always together. They're a band. Like they're going to go yeah. take a shit together. They're going to go get food together. Like it's, they're always together. So it was weird for me to read about how, um, how the Deftones were doing that before this most recent album and how, um, you know, Maynard's process for that whole thing. Cause like, like you said, it's just like an afterthought. You don't even, <laughs> it's just so weird to me. Yeah, especially when you like have your own band at some at some point. Like I had my own band when I was, uh, I don't know, I think I was sixteen at the time when mm. we started, and we like we did a lot of shit together, and we were best friends, obviously. Who just thought to himself, well, let's make a band because one guy was playing guitar, the other one was playing bass, I was playing drums, and it was just you know let's just let's just try what we can do. Yeah. So yeah, you you're together all the time, and you're not just making music. Like you you know you sit around in the band room, band room, and you uh, smoke some weed together. You listen to some music. You talk shit, and 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 all of that. So you you kind of like project that onto your favorite bands as well, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, I think they also they hang out with each other and do everything together. And then I remember one day I started uh, I watched. The, the Metallica documentary, Some Kind of Monster. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I haven't. I want um, to. Yeah, it's it's basically a documentary about their process of recording Sand Anger, I think, was mm -hmm. the album. Yeah. And just just to see how, how broken that band was at some point kind mm -hmm. of like opened my eyes a little bit to, to the fact that, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, they are making music together for ten years. They're not sitting around with each other all the time. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's just natural. It's human. 
Yeah. It's hard to picture them as being like you, you kind of got it in your head that they're just a single individual, like a single unit of, you know, like they're just one person made up of five people kind of thing, you know, like a Voltron yeah. weird, weird shit. They're always like a hive mind or something. Yeah. Right. And then you kind of get older and you realize, oh no, they're just five, five dudes with their own lives, you know, four dudes with their own lives. So, and it makes sense, but it's still weird to, to think about, you know, cause they do. So everything you know about them is them together, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, it's odd. How, um, how did you get into drumming? did i get into drumming good question um i was 11 or 12 years old and i wanted to play an instrument and i was watching like a a school play or like a school performance of the school that i uh, went to mm -hmm. and i think it was just a bunch of different people playing um you know playing a song on their respective instruments like you know one guy with a guitar playing something and just showing off kind of and there was one guy who played drums and i was i was watching it i was listening to it and i thought to myself yes that's the instrument that i want to learn and i was like yeah 12 i think 12 years old at the time so you know ran to my mom and said yeah i want to i want to play drums She's like, yeah, I mean, okay, let's send you to a drum school. And then I just started. I want to play the loudest instrument I could possibly play, mom. <laughs> yeah. Let me uh, let me pick your brain for a second. <laughs> That's funny, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to me because like I told you, my cousin is uh, is a drummer, was in a was in a, several bands. Because uh, we, we have, a, well, we had, I don't know how good it is now, but, you know, traditionally, the town I grew up in, it's a college town and it had a really good music scene, you know, like REM is from here and, um, you know, the B-52s mm. are from here. So a lot of, um, there's a very heavy, like indie alternative kind of, uh, kind of a scene that was here for a long time. I don't know how, how prevalent it is now. Um, but I mean, that's, they still have like, you know, festivals and stuff like that, but he played in a lot of bands through here and I was, it was always amazed me because I never, and it probably had more so to do with the fact that I just never practiced as a kid, but um, it just always amazed me like how coordinated a drummer has to be, you know, like and I was always, just, yeah. I can't, I can't focus on, you know, I, I talk about focusing on just like getting through the day. <laughs> like, so I can't imagine like, I know it's practice, but like, being able to focus on doing two or three things at once, um, and it re it really is it, it it really is just practice. And I I have to admit I was an extreme I still am an extremely lazy person, mm -hmm. so I never really practiced that much. So I never really got to be like exceptionally good or anything. Mm -hmm. Especially like the one thing that I noticed is in in the years uh, after like I started and then 12, 13, 14, 15, I I would like practice, but I don't I didn't really have like a practical thing I could incorporate what I learned in other words like you know play with a band and and, and do something like that and I realized I didn't really progress until I met these other guys and we started to like you know rent a band room and and get together and just play a little bit mm. and I, I I think I progressed in those few years that we played together so much faster and so much more just by fucking around with them and and playing because that's I think that's how I learn better and faster when I can do it with uh, you know with at least when it comes to drumming when, when when I do it with others than just sitting like 
in the basement or something and, and just, you know, drumming for myself and, and learning some patterns or something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, it kind of, it forces you to stretch a little bit, right? Cause you, now you have to apply it and make it make sense along with yeah. other things. Whereas, and, and my, my cousins even told me this before, cause I would ask them all the time. I was like, man, what, you know, as, just as, even as a kid, it was just like, well, how do you, I don't understand. Like I was just kind of expressing my little kid, like not understanding how someone could get so good at something. And he even would say like, you know, you can only get so far by sitting, like you said, making your own patterns or, or even just, you know, replicating what you've heard in your favorite songs and stuff like that. He's like, it's not until you're actually playing with other people that it starts to even change and, and become your own. Because when you're just sitting in the basement replicating things, you're just replicating something someone else has already done. So yeah, it, it adds a layer of creativity too, because you know someone whips out a riff on the guitar, and then you have to start thinking what kind of beat would fit to this. So you add this layer of creativity, and that um, motivates you to become better. So you can you can actually play a certain pattern that you have in your head, or something like that. Whereas when you have like I don't know a sheet of paper with some notes on it, and mm. you're like, yeah, okay, let's let's do it, and yeah. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, so obviously, you know, like I said at the top of the show, you uh, you've put out some music um, under the name Spuntastic on uh, on Bandcamp, and uh, yeah. one one of which you know we use as kind of a intro outro for the show, and it's amazing. Thank you, by the way. Um, I. Uh, so how like so progressing from doing things like drums you know when did you kind of start messing with uh the kind of music you're doing now was that kind of a small progression or did you just kind of jump into it one day like oh, you know what i'm gonna try to throw this together uh that all oh, that thing happened you know it's funny my big brother again was a part of that because he started to uh, fuck around with this production um, software that I'm using which is called Reason mm -hmm. and he showed it to me one day and I think he actually like gifted me like a light version of it at my birthday one of my birthdays I don't really know when that was and I started to do like electro mm -hmm. you know like just just classic uh, house or something sure just trying to fuck around with with stuff like that but uh, yeah, the main thing was always like the drums. And then one day as it goes, we all finish high school and we all disperse, uh, you know, throughout the country. Like the one guy is studying there, the other guy is studying there. And you don't really have the chance to get together and, you know, still make music together. So I was thinking, what could I do um, to keep the creativity kind of like going? Because music is a big part of my life, was a big part of my life back then already. And I still had the software lying around. Mm -hmm. So I just thought to myself, well, let's just, you know, try to make something with that. And then um, fast forward into college. I, I met a guy in, in college who one day showed me instrumental hip hop. Like I didn't even know that existed. I knew hip hop and I knew rap and I knew both of those together. But I never knew there's an entire subgenre of just instrumental hip hop. Mm -hmm. And he showed me one beat one day and, and uh, I still remember it was a sunny day and I was listening <laughs> to it and I thought to myself, yes, this is what I want to do. And then I started to do, uh, you know, instrumental hip hop beats uh, with, with that software and that over the course of time developed into uh, this... Um, 
synth wavy mm-hmm. kind of stuff that I'm doing right now because of uh, like the instrumental hip hop. It's it's a lot of sampling. So mm-hmm. you you basically you dig through old uh, music and you try to find some some melodies that you can sample and chop up and make new uh, stuff like that. And at some point, I kind of had enough of that, and I wanted to develop or evolve uh, musically a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of writing my own stuff and learning music theory, for example, and uh, you know delving into this whole world so i started to watch like youtube videos about scales and chords and how do you do all of this stuff and the uh, all these synthwave uh, artists and how they do all of this stuff and it's a completely different approach in the software itself as well because uh, all of a sudden you have to work with synthesizers which is i something i have never done before and that's the whole thing and mm. uh, yeah it's just this this need to evolve into something more that kind of like brought me into this yeah yeah and 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 it's kind of uh i don't know it's kind of like it's interesting because it's still filling that that void of you know of creativity that you always had with music right and yeah and it's still but it's but it's also changed like so to look back you know even to even look back on stuff that I was doing three or four years ago, I'm just kind of like, oof, you know, it's kind of like, wow, I'm really, <laughs> I've really changed in, in, into something. And I don't know if that's, that's kind of like looking back on a band you used to listen to and being like, oh, I really listened to the insane clown posse at one point. Like I really did. And, um, you know, or, or something like that. It's, it, it's, it's not that I'm ashamed of it. It's just kind of like, it's weird that I was so into something like that at some point. And then I kind of look at it creatively the same way where I might listen to a really old podcast I did or go back and listen to a radio show that I did with my friend or something like that. And it's, it's weird how you slowly get there. It's never like an overnight thing, you know, it's never one big bite, but just how it just kind of chisels away and and turns into something different. It also makes you reflect a little bit on your own personality and how that changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you listened to that kind of band 10 years ago and you listened to that band because you were different than you are today. And then you kind of reflect on how did you get to where you are today? And it's, it's interesting. It is. And it's not that, you know, I, I know I, I, I threw, you know, insane clown posse out as a, as a, as an example, but I can still go back and listen to it. But what I think about is like me now, I would never even give this a chance. You know, I would never even give this yeah. a chance to enter my, my universe because I just, I'm in a different place in life where I was very at the time, you know, and this is a similar time as, you know, corn and limp biscuit and, you know, all these other bands that, uh, you know, have aren't really around, you know, uh, there's a band called systematic uh, spine shank. Like there's all these bands that I listened to that were, that were very much big in their own little bitty tight genre within the main genre, you know? And, um, and it, you go back and listen to it. You're like, man, I wouldn't even, it's not that I wouldn't allow it in. It's just not something that I even relate to. But at that time in that age, you're just so open to something new. You know, you're so open to something new because you haven't quite filled up the hard drive with, a bunch of shit you like already. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Did you ever listen to uh, Spineshank? Did you ever know Spineshank? No. I might that have to. I might have to send you some of their stuff. They're kind of. They're, they're very much into that like 
the the more screamy side of new metal, but they also kind of had this industrial thing to them. So there was like this different sound. So they kind of, uh, it's almost like if you were to take uh, like a, like a heavier fear factory kind of thing, you know, it's a little more industrial, like, uh, not quite nine inch nails, but maybe more skinny puppy, but heavy. Um, okay. It's interesting. I think I owned an album of Fear Factory, but that was a long time ago. I think I owned one. I owned Obsolete, and then um, one of my other friends was like a huge Fear Factory fan, but very, very, very drum machine sounding type band, mm, you know? Yeah. Um, Trivium but, is, is, is a band that pops into my mind. Trivium, yeah. Yeah, Trivium is, uh, that's one of those bands where like you look at their discography and you're like, holy shit, how many albums did they put? There's like so many and they, and they can all sound so different too. Um, uh, but yeah, like there's a certain point in life where you're just open to just about anything. Um, and, and you know, I'm trying to think of all these like weird bands that opened for, cause I, I probably, how many times did you see corn? Did you only see corn live that one time? I saw corn two times, two times in 2006 and 2008. Okay, I think I've I think I saw them four or five something like that. But like I was always I always knew that I was going to go to the show and and see a good show with Corn. Like the last time I saw them, I actually went with the wife, and it was at the twenty or maybe it was the twenty year um, anniversary. I think it was twenty sixteen. So it was like the twenty year anniversary of their first album, like the self titled album, um, yep. and they played it front to back. Um, which was cool as shit. And then they went through and they played a bunch of other, you know, all their other singles like that after that. Um, so that it was, was a good time. Oh man. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's amazing to see a band like that. That's been doing it for that long. And just to see how, how tight they are live. You know, they've been doing it so long that they, they just have perfected, you know, they've perfected their, their craft and doing it live just looks so effortless you know? Yeah. And it just sounds like, holy shit, like you've, you don't ever, I mean, I'm so sure you, go ahead. Especially, just uh, going to say, especially the, uh, all the changes that they went through, like with their, with their drummer, David Severia, who mm -hmm. left and then uh, had one of the guitarists left for a while uh, because, you know, he found God or something like that. Mm -hmm. And couldn't bear it anymore for a while and then they had to find the new like a lot of changes uh, this band went through and then that they can still put out a show like they put out 10 20 years ago mm -hmm. is uh, that's fascinating yeah yeah it is and and like you just you're just kind of like wow they these guys hey it was it was kind of blowing my mind i was like that, that album's 20 years ago and that's fucking with me right now but it's it's <laughs> it's really weird you know I was, I was looking the other day i was talking to uh, my buddy and um we were really into nine inch nails together through high school and uh i, I was listening to something off pretty hate machine and i was just kind of like oh, let me look up you know pretty hate machine just every now and then i'll just pull up you know now that liner notes don't really exist anymore you go to wikipedia or whatever and i was looking i was like holy shit this album is 31 years old pretty pretty hate machine i was like wow it came out in 89 and i was like that is just weird to it's me like, it's actually crazy i never really got into nine inch nails um <laughs> back in the day which is kind of weird to me because i'm a huge fan of trent Reznor uh for a couple years now mm -hmm. but uh back then i don't know it didn't i, I probably never gave him a real chance i guess mm -hmm. and no one in my close 
a group of friends who was like really into Nine Inch Nails who would just, you know, bug me all the time to listen to them or something. But yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and and I mean, obviously, you're, you know, just from from watching your stream and and from, you know, just being around, you know, being around your discussions about cinema, like Trent Reznor is yeah. obviously doing a lot more scoring and and cinematic type music um, than he was, you know, when when the band was together and actively touring and stuff like that. So Absolutely, it, yeah. it, and it and it really appeals, obviously, to your because you really like music scores too. Um, oh it's, yeah, it's it's interesting, like just to see how someone uh, did. You see that they put the. Uh, they put the Quake soundtrack, the Nine Inch Nails Quake soundtrack on vinyl like uh, last month. I saw like that. that, yeah. I saw that. I saw the, um couple of months ago, I was looking at the Nine Inch Nails store page because I was thinking about getting the, the Bird Box um, vinyl collection, mm. just like four vinyls, and it, it looks fantastic. Um, and I saw that the, the Quake uh, soundtrack was on pre-order for vinyl, and I was like, holy fuck, I want that. Which that's another thing where it's like, that's that's a nostalgia bomb in itself where it's like oh man i really like nine inch nails but i also played a shit ton of quake and you know that was that was kind of my introduction to quake was like my introduction to multiplayer gaming um for the most part like we would i had a friend that uh, actually went on to do some work with some really big game developers but more so in like a tournament fashion like he he kind of did these underground street fighter tournaments um where um where basically he just he would just organize the whole thing and he'd get people that he knew were good at the game uh together in in atlanta and they would just have these tournaments and then he kind of he moved out to california and kept doing it and was just almost like working it was, it was almost like he was a concert promoter but it was just for like mm. straight up like fighting tournaments um uh, for they have for like the arcade machines too. Well, like, I, that they played on arcade machines. He kind of, I think that he was doing the thing where they set up the huge screen and then you sat down with your own, whether you wanted to use a controller or if you wanted to use like a you know an arcade stick or whatever, and you kind of okay. brought your own your own instrument to the battle kind of thing, you know. Um, so he was kind of doing that thing, um, kind of as a underground pro professional esport type thing and he ended up getting uh snatched up by capcom for i don't know if he's still working for them or not um but he was like running some of their social media stuff um and then he kind of like I, I would talk to him every once in a while we were like really good friends in in middle school we hung out a lot we we shared a love of professional wrestling um <laughs> uh together in uh in middle school and, and into high school and uh and you know i haven't heard from him in a while he kind of he kind of ghosted everything um i know he's still working and he got married and all this stuff but i don't know some people just just disappear um but yeah he's you know he was kind of the guy that introduced me to um quake ctf um back when you had to mm -hmm. use um it was, i think it was called game spy or quake spy something like that where you had to um use that that to connect to um network games and it was my first introduction to holy shit you can play like capture the flag which i was obsessed with or team deathmatch and then that kind of led me into getting with a, with a group of people at school and setting up we figured out we could install quake on the computer lab and uh we would basically just go in there after school and three hours of land party basically every day yeah we um, used to do that with um quake 3 arena mm. we would like hang out uh 
at, at a friend's house. Everyone with their PCs, with their old ass PCs, and just you know <laughs> try to get a LAN going. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because you know we 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 did the Quake thing and then it kind of evolved into Unreal Tournament. It became like really big at our school. Yeah. Um, and because uh, I was I was watching you play Diabotical the other day, and I was like, man, that really just even though it's not the same game, clearly just the movement and you know all the. I don't know. I'll just just all the functionality of everything. I was just kind of like that. Really, kind of just takes me way back. Yeah, it puts you back to those games. Um, what uh, what kind of pushed you in the direction? You know, obviously super into music and and stuff like that. Like, what kind of pushed you in the direction of of broadcasting and and kind of doing what you're doing now uh, with streaming? Cool. Um... That all started when I was um, in 2016. Mm -hmm. I was like, uh, you know, working just jobs, like nothing specific, just jumped from job to job, kind of like lost in in life a little bit. And I one day discovered, I think it was, yeah, Dead by Dead. Like I, I was playing a lot of Quake Life uh, back then. And a good friend of mine in Quake Life, someone who I knew through Quake Life, started playing Dead by Daylight when it came out. And he introduced me to that game. And after he introduced me to the game, I started watching like on YouTube uh, a few guys. There was a guy named Quizzle who was streaming on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, Dead by Daylight, who was considered to be like an insane uh, killer at the time. And I got interested through that in broadcasting and switched, you know, flipped over to Twitch. And then I found like all the the usual suspects. Like uh, Jen Denise was uh, one of the first people that I watched. Uh, Diatech, Amora, and one day I found Morph, mm -hmm. and uh, started to not only watch but also like made an account on Twitch, and started like to talk and become a part of the community and stuff like that. And I was happy in that with that place for a long time. Like I was playing Dead by Daylight, I was watching the uh, Dead by Daylight streamers, I was part of the community and you know how that like evolves mm. over time. You, you know, find new friends and, and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, one day people just kept requesting that I would start uh, streaming because they wanted to see how my point of view when I played Killer, because I made myself somewhat of a name, I guess you could say, as a... Uh, as a nurse back then, still uh, in early 2017, and uh, they would just—they just wanted to see what what that looks like from my point of view because they always saw it, you know, through the eyes of the streamer when I was versing someone like Moore, for example. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's interesting. Decided man. decided to you know just just put something up and you know get a get a stream going and got addicted, I guess you could say. Yeah, it is a it is a weird addiction right like it's yeah. it's kind of like you get well you well a you you jump in and you, you like you said it, it's very very similar for me uh you know I, I i actually had a friend when when dbd first came out and um and you know i had a friend that was really into it and he was like you got to play this game man you got to check this thing out and it was like a free weekend i jumped in and i didn't really get it i was just kind of like i don't I don't know. It didn't grab me the first time I played it. I thought I was like, I was like, this is fucking dumb. I don't know what's happening. I don't, okay. I don't know what to do. All right. I'm just going to go off and, and, you know, forget this ever happened kind of thing. Um, and then, um, 
I'm trying to remember. I think it was we were trying we were trying to find a you know I have a group of friends that that we still get together every now and then and play some games and stuff like that, and uh, you know we were trying to find something we could play and um, I guess Friday the Thirteenth was still was kind of big at the moment like it had just come out um, and you know people seemed to be enjoying it and uh, my friend was like hey what do you think about maybe us getting Friday the Thirteenth and and you know all playing it together I was like I was like I mean maybe I just I don't know how it's going to play. Like I would watch a couple things on YouTube. He's like, he's like, Hey, this guy's playing it right now. So go check it out and just see what you think. And maybe we can all just get it and play. And, uh, he sent me to angry pug. And, um, okay. So I started watching that and immediately what grabbed me just because of a radio background was the fact that, okay, this guy's broadcasting to, you know, however many people at the time it was, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty early on so it was it probably wasn't obviously the kind of numbers he pulls now but it was it was a, quite a few hundred people um and i was like this is pretty amazing like it was interesting you know i was mostly checking out the uh the game content and then i just kind of got sucked in by the you know pug being the host and being the person he is when he plays games and stuff like that and i was like this is really interesting so i a lot of people had already known him as a dvd person at the time and i had no clue and I was just kind of like, all right, well, I'm just going to watch this guy. And I just kind of, he was the first person I subscribed to. And I was like, all right, well, this is, this is cool. And then he got, he kind of got tired of it Friday the 13th. And then he went back to Dead by Daylight. And I was kind of like, oh shit, man, I did not have a good time with this game. But then I actually watched someone play the game rather than, you know, you, you ever get into a new game or into something new and someone's trying to explain it to you while you're trying to learn it. And yeah. it's just kind of like, dude, I don't. I don't get what you're telling me over this voice communication when I'm doing my own thing and you're doing your thing. No, no, you just, you can jump through this window or you can drop this thing. And I'm just kind of like, I can't hold all this in my head, but taking the time to sit back and actually watch someone actively do it. I was kind of like, Oh, Oh, I get how this is played now. Like I got this weird understanding of how it was played, which I probably could have gotten there eventually had I stuck with it without watching a stream. But that's kind of what got me kind of up and going with that. Um, yeah, it's that it's that visual aspect that you have with streaming too. Yeah, and like he's he's not necessarily sitting there and explaining it to his community. Like he's trying to be an entertainer, obviously. But mm -hmm. you, you kind of you pick up on it. Yeah, like slowly. It's it's kind of like when I watch uh, when I watch you play Hunt Showdown, for example. When I first watched it, I had zero clue what's going on. But you know, you just keep watching, and I never really asked you, could you explain the game to me or, or something like that, or you never tried and. I was just I would just watch and watch and after a couple of hours you start to like grasp it because you have the visual and you see like patterns of things that the streamer does and uh, stuff and you know you pick up on it quite quickly. Yeah. And it's and something about that was just super appealing to me. Um just just the the broadcast aspect of it and I started kind of messing with it. Um I had um I had streamed though before that, but it wasn't it wasn't with the same intention. If that makes any sense, like it, I had basically on on my Facebook account, I had streamed myself playing uh, Doom twenty sixteen, and okay. it, but it was just kind of there was no camera. It was just me playing the game, and I had a microphone, um, and I was just kind of like because I was already recording my podcast, so I kind of had the equipment to do the 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 audio side of things easily. Um, and I just kind of did that, and, but that didn't grab me in the same way. I was just kind of like, ah, I'm just bored and I want something to do and I want to talk into a microphone. Um, and then 
I, I actually the first I think the first thing I was actually streaming for a little while on Twitch was PUBG, which I sucked at. It was horrible, <laughs> terrible. And then I got into Dead by Daylight, and that just kind of that kind of got me. Like you said before, once you kind of get into that that community, you know, it's such a shared passion for the same, you know, for the same game. You know, it's just such a weird collection of people like all from different backgrounds but they all have this one thing they love doing um yeah it's funny because you say um you had streamed before but like with a different intention i think it really is if i wouldn't have been part of a community before i started i don't think i would have stuck with it yeah because it you don't really stream because you desperately just want to play the game mm -hmm. like solely solely out of that reason or in you kind of stream because of uh, i don't know it's like somewhat of a community feeling i guess the interaction it's almost like yeah almost like opening up your house to for free friends to come over and just you know watch you play a game and you know just talk shit with them and have some fun yeah i think that's the more addictive side of it right where it's just kind of like yeah. you know there's these people now that i look forward to seeing when i when i turn on the stream where i'm like oh well, i know i'm going to see you know at least this handful of people whether whether a lot of people show up or not you know i know i'm going to at least see so and so or at least gonna you know someone's gonna pop in and say hi um it's it's, it's kind of like just going to i don't know i'm trying to think of an equivalent where it's like I don't know, maybe when you're in college and there's just like a, a communal area where everybody kind of goes and hangs out like a like a quad of some sort where you're like, oh, you know, you know, old old like fucking Larry's recreational room or something. Right, right. Just somewhere you, you've gotten used to going and you're like, OK, the usual suspect. You're kind of almost like I've been like kind of telling people who don't understand what Twitch is. I'm like, it's kind of like going to a bar, you know. Kind of going yeah. like going to a bar and like you've got your usuals that are there and sometimes they are there and sometimes they're not and you know, and then you kind of start to get to know, like I've gotten to know you and, and the people that, that hang out in your place. And I've gotten to know like, you know, um, like Curdy and the people that hang out at her place. So it's just kind of like, you've got these little bars set up in this virtual town where you can pop in. Cause you're going to, you're going to know somebody there, you know? Um, it's, it's such a weird thing, but I think that's more the draw, um, obviously than the game. Cause you can fire up a video game at any time, you know, and, and just kind of dick around. But you're not exactly going to be talking to yourself, you know, and, and yeah. talking about life and stuff like that. And I know with you, it's kind of, especially over the past year, like I think it has for a lot of people we know because Dead by Daylight's kind of um, longer in the tooth for a game. It's it's like, what, four years old now? A little over four years old? A little over four, four years, I think, yeah. And I think a lot of people are just, regardless of how you feel about the game, I think it just, at some point, things run their natural course and you just want to do something different. You know, you want to check something else out. Um, I know you've been doing a lot more just chatting and, you know, kind of hanging out and just literally enjoying, you know, it seems like at least enjoying the, um, the community because it, at some point you show up, like, obviously I, w I was first brought over to you, I think from a more afraid. Um, and you know, I stuck around because I was like, I want to see this guy play killer. Cause I was, I wasn't playing much killer either. And then at some point, you start sticking for the broadcaster more so than you do for the game anymore. Like there's some switch where yeah, you're kind of like, I'm watching this guy for this game. All right, because that's what he plays. He mains it. I don't know anything about him, but he's playing a game I know and like. Um, and then at some point it becomes, all right, well, I don't really care what he's playing. I'm going to show up because I know it's a fun hang kind of thing. Um, and 
how has uh, like you seem like you've been enjoying the just chatting stuff i've been doing more of that as well just because that kind of leans more into my background of what i've enjoyed before streaming um has that been kind of a cool transition or is it just kind of like you're just kind of flowing with it it wasn't really a conscious decision mm -hmm. i made to be fair um I don't really know. I don't really have like a perfect answer for that. It's it's just I'm I'm like flowing with it. You know, I I'm kind of like started doing whatever I want to do. And the, the I I tried the whole chatting thing for the first time because um I had like this this new scene set up with uh, and this new camera like this whole camera thing is is completely new and I just wanted to, you know, dick around with it, try it out and um, I took a break for like three months off of Twitch and when I came back I didn't want to like fire up DVD or a game or something and mm -hmm. play for like you know quote unquote coming back to Twitch or something I just I wanted to start streaming and hang out and talk to the people mm -hmm. uh, that would come by and that's when I like started to realize holy fuck this is really fun like just sitting here and talking doing nothing else I mean maybe watch a trailer on youtube and talk about film or whatever and that's kind of like how that came mm -hmm. i guess but you could say um that i started to experiment more mm -hmm. because there was a time there was a time especially like in, in 2017 2018 around that period where like when you start out, you almost feel like pressured into playing the game that people know you uh, for. Because yeah. like you said, like people start watching you for the game, but mm -hmm. over the it takes a while for you to start watching someone because of the personality. And uh, yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot, there was a lot, uh, a, a big period where I, a long period where I would just think no i have to play it by daylight i can't really like do anything else so and i kind of like overcame this right now i'd say it's it's a pretty good feeling because i mean i know i think i think that anybody who's who plays a one game as their quote-unquote main um kind of goes through this where it's like i have to play this that's why people show like you you kind of get in your head about it um because uh, you know when i broke away when i started breaking away from dbd it's, it was kind of like a small here and there um you know i would play something different or i, I just set, i started I, I started with just setting up one night i was like all right this night's going to be variety so don't come expecting dbd you know kind of set up the precedent yep. um but I, I think a lot of people do feel trapped by their game you know i think and, they, and a lot of people don't know how to deal with it because they do want that interaction and some people don't like that feeling when they look over if, if you're a number watcher, I'm not a number watcher, thankfully. I used to be. Um, no, me, me neither. Uh, if you do look over, there's a lot of people who you can you can tell they're not having a good time because they're too concerned about their number. And that, you know, I've talked to like Ape Fist about this before, and uh, it's it's being trapped feels feels very real, you know? Um, Absolutely. It's it, it also depends on, I guess, the size of your of your channel. Like you, you, I, I was, I keep thinking to myself, I'm almost kind of lucky to not be a guy who has like, I don't know, 500 people sitting in, in his Dead by Daylight streams or something, mm -hmm. because it, it gives me a certain freedom to say, 
fuck it. I don't want to play Dead by Daylight right now. I'm not in the mood. I'm just going to fire up something else. And even if I tank in numbers, it's 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 not going to break my neck, so to speak. Right, right. Yeah, it's... um. It is, uh, it's, 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 it feels nice to break out of that. You know, obviously, um, this month I've been doing pretty much all horror games. I, I've pretty much stepped away from, from hunt for the month and just kind of bringing up these games that I've been meaning to play. Cause I mean, if you're, if you're a PC gamer and you, and you play your games off of steam, you've probably got more games than you'll ever play. Um, like most people. And it's, it's nice to kind of move through the catalog and just play some different stuff and, you know, it's it's also nice to when you find something that's just like a bit like I played something the other night and I was kind of like, I cannot do this. This is fucking horrible. <laughs> and so we just changed games um, when there's not an expectation um, or a perceived expectation. It feels a lot better. Um, I did someone, you know, I, I you know, leading up to this because I was pretty excited about it. I, I did ask some people to because just because this question relates to what we're talking about. I did ask some people like, oh, you got any questions you want me to kind of run by or whatever. Um, so someone we know, um, goes by the name simply. So, um, he, mm -hmm. he, he had a question and, um, it, it's, it's a pretty interesting one. It's a little more thought out than a lot of people were just asking just random weird questions, but, uh, we'll get to those in a bit. Um, he says live streaming still being a relatively new form of entertainment. Many people both inside and outside the platform may not understand the struggles and obstacles streamers may experience. I constantly see streamers who seem quote trapped playing the same game for months and years on end uh, to appease their audience or to make ends meet. I'm no psychologist, but I think this potentially could lead to a serious burnout and possibly mental health issues in some cases. With this in mind, and this is his question, um, did you at any point, any point feel forced to play a certain game like DBD? If so, what was your mentality towards it? Did it feel more like a job or... Um, uh, or did you feel like still feel like I'm only playing video games? It doesn't matter, etc. No, absolutely yes. So first of all, yes, I did. Mm -hmm. um, like I said before, like 2017, 2018 was like the time period where I felt I have to because, like you said, um, a lot of people knew me from and also came over from uh, Morph's channel mm -hmm. uh, back then. Like uh, you know, used to host me for like these big numbers and you would think, fuck, yeah, I have to. I have to play it up by daylight because that's why people are here. That's what people want to see. That's why people know me, more or less. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it did feel more like a job at that point. Still a good job, I guess you mm -hmm. could say. Like I, I keep remembering that quote from uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill. Uh, he once said in an interview, being a rapper or what, what they do, is um is great but it's still a job yeah so like he fucking loves what he does but it, at the end of the day it is still a job and that's kind of like um how would i would describe that as well okay so uh yeah sure yeah i think uh and you you can you can see you can see it happen to people too you know it, there will be these waves I mean, I know you don't you don't do a whole lot of social media, but there will be these waves on Twitter. You know, obviously from you know a lot will have to do with Dead by Daylight, or, or just just Twitch in general, where people will be like, "Hey guys, I'm just gonna be I'm gonna take off for a little while. I just haven't been feeling myself." And I think there's there's just this this underlying pressure um, it's, be, because it's you tough. Yeah, mentally, it's like uh, 
a lot of people say this and I never understood it before I was in it myself, but mm -hmm. streaming might be physically not very taxing, mm -hmm. but it's mentally probably like the hardest thing that I've ever done because it, it, it does bug you mm -hmm. on, on some level that, you know, because it, it, you keep thinking to yourself, fuck man, I, when I play, like, just, let's just make an example. When I play the Vadela, I'm on 100 people. And when I play literally anything else, I'm like on 50 people. So that's a 50% drop. Am I just shit at what I do? Like, am I just a shitty broadcaster and people just come to watch a game and they just come here because they got recommended by someone else and not because they actually enjoy me playing the game and my commentary. So you, you kind of like, it's very easy to fall into this self-deprecation, if you will. Yeah. And, you know, go down a spiral almost. And it's tough too when you're, I mean, obviously you're clearly a creative, you know, you, you, you like to create things and you, what be it music, be it streaming, whatever it might be. And I've always kind of felt like this too, because I've, I've got, you know, knowing a lot of people who podcast and knowing a lot of people who stream, there is, and I've told, I've told plenty of people, like, you're always going to be your own worst critic anyway, and no matter what you're doing. Yeah. So it kind of like amplifies it because you're just kind of like, now you're just, uh, do I just, do I suck? Like, I already feel like I suck because, you know, just because I, I've always felt, I'm always more, way more critical of my work than, um, than I am about other people's, you know, creation and stuff. And I think yeah, that's absolutely. a natural thing to feel is like you you spend all this time on something and you, you know this especially with like anything you're working on audio wise you're like i've listened to this like 25 times and it just sounds like blur now like it just sounds like nothing to me um because i've said you know it's just like saying the same word over and over again it loses its meaning um i think that it's that combined with the fact that you're seeing like okay now i have 50 percent less people in here and you know, I feel it, it gets to you. And that's, uh, that's what made me honestly turn off the, the numbers because I was just kind of like, There's, why am I looking at this? I don't need to see it. I don't need to, I don't even look at my performance anymore. I'm just kind of like, if people show up, they show up. And if they don't, then fine. Um, and I think that that's, there's an added pressure, especially for people who do this as a living. Like I'm, you know, I've talked to, you know, I brought up Apefist, but we've talked about it before. Me and him, we love doing it, but at the same time, it's not what pays our bills. So I'm, I got to imagine the pressure is tenfold on someone who uses it to pay their bills. Yeah, mm. sure. Also, if you if you keep thinking, most broadcasters are what, like maybe in their mid to late 20s, maybe early to mid 30s. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they're not stupid. They know this has an expiration date for them as well. Like you're not gonna, you don't want to sit here and stream when you're 60 or something and you know for a living still at least mm -hmm. so there is at least i think um there is also this added time pressure like you, you have to if you don't want to do anything else after this gig then you have to make a certain amount in these couple of years or a decade or however long you set yourself um so you can so you're like financially safe at the end at the end of it, yeah. Uh, when it like you know inevitably it just drifts away. 
Yeah, and there's so a I mis- think that adds to it. Yeah, yeah, and there's a misconception for a lot of people that, and I'm sure that you've you've heard from people where they're kind of like, "Well, you're a partner, so you're doing great, right?" And this is kind of like, "No, that's yeah. not that's not how it not works." <laughs> no, I'm doing horrible. <laughs> um, but like, there are those folks who do what I like to call undeniable numbers. Like, it's like. This, this person's undeniably going to be fine for the rest of their life. You know, you know, yep. the, the people like a co-carnage or a Tim the Tatman where there's like, oh, 30,000 people on a Thursday just chilling in his chat. Like, it's okay. All right. Then you're probably going to be fine. But that's, it's like any other form of entertainment. You know, you, uh, there's, there's going to be the ones that make it and make it big. And then there's everyone else, you know, there's everyone else at, at, at all different levels. Um, and there, you know, for a lot of people, yeah, there's, there is a, a time limit. You know, at some point, you're just not going to, you have to really be able to adapt to, to keep relating to people and changing it up and stuff like that. And, all, and there are people out there that are really good at doing that. But at some point, the, the, you know, the candle burns out. You know, it, it just does. Um, so it's always interesting yeah. to see, you know, people kind of, I don't want to say it's interesting to see, see people struggle, but it's always interesting for me to see how people deal with that as they hit those different layers of their streaming career so um he also said lastly with uh with life struggles outside of streaming um wait when life struggles outside of streaming intertwine with struggles of streaming uh what have you done to cope with this and if you go back in time would there be anything you would do differently um with streaming that's a tough question it's deep he got deep on uh, us. Yeah, that's very deep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> struggles outside. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about streaming, right? There is a certain... Like, people realize when you're having a tough time, even, like, just mentally a tough time, when you're having a bad day, even though you're trying to, like, fake it a mm-hmm. little bit. Like, it always breaks through a little bit. Um. I don't really know. I don't really. I mean, I never really. I tr- I never really try. I never really did the whole. I tried to fake everything route. Like when when let's let's just say something happened in my real life, and I'm a very private person, so sure. like, you know, you know that I don't. I don't like to. Uh, speak too much about my personal life and, and my privacy and, and and stuff like that. So yeah. I try to keep it to myself, but I never really try to fake happiness, if you will, mm-hmm. and just be like, no, everything is fine. Like I try to stay real. So when it comes to the question how to deal with uh, real life struggles and then streaming, uh, you kind of intertwine it in a way. Like you let people know it is kind of a rough day, but you're trying to make the best out of it yeah. with them or in a way or when it comes to the chatting thing, like, you know, just talking about real life struggles, for example, like you, you're not just chatting and, and talk about happy things, but you know, what are the problems uh, of what, what, what kind of problems do you have right now? What kind of problems does this person have? And you're just trying to talk it out basically. Yeah. And that kind of, well, and, it, and when people share, like, it's amazing and I know, and I, I know that you've definitely, um, you've definitely dealt with this. It's amazing how much you learn about the people who come to hang out, like just yeah. slowly over time. Like I used to watch, uh, I used to watch this, uh, this weird documentary show called Locked Up, 
and they would just go in and interview people that work in prisons and people who were incarcerated and stuff like that. And it's amazing how much, um, how much a prisoner can learn about someone who works at the prison just by a little information here, a little information there, you know, you know, I like, like going to your channel for a while, like I figured out, Oh, we've got similar tastes in movies, you know, based off of the bands you bring up and the music you talk about, like we've got some similar tastes in bands and music. Like you just learn these things, but it's, it also works the other way around. Like someone comes in, they're having a bad day or they got, I've got this test coming up or I've applied for a job and I've got an interview tomorrow. And you just start like piecing together, like all these people you've never met in real life. You just start piecing together these little lives that you're seeing, you know? Um, yeah, and you start to sympathize uh, with them as well. Yeah, like I, I know for I, I know people who uh, like for example they they hate their current job, right? And you, you just feel for them because you've been in that situation before, or I have been in that situation before, and you just know how it feels. And then you start you start sympathizing and have empathy with people you've never met, but you know you just hear these stories from them through the internet, right? And then like that that could jumpstart something that you could you know, if it's something that you're willing to share, like, you know, like that could jumpstart a story. They're like, Oh, well I was in this situation one time where, you know, I was exactly, kind of yeah. doing this and you know, this is how I got through it. Or this is, you know, this is kind of how I approached it at least. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I know you mentioned like you're, you're a very private person and, and that's kind of like, it's kind of like part of your, part of your Twitch personality to me, you know, it's kind of like this, yeah. it's this partial mystery. Like, we're getting to know this guy kind of, but not really. And um, is there anything that's been surprisingly hard or easy about that um, with, uh, with, since you've been streaming where it's like, I was like, this is, this is like, I'm able to manage this pretty easily. Or have, have you had like any challenges where you're like, shit, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away. You know, there certainly have been situations where I had to stop myself from saying too much like I was in the flow you know how I sometimes like get just into the flow like I, I kind of like look off screen at, onto my wall and, and just talk and talk because I, I just have like a train of thought going on a certain subject or something mm -hmm. and then as you say sometimes you relate it to to personal stories and yeah there certainly have been situations where where I wanted to say something but in my brain I stopped myself and I was no hold on you're you're like revealing a little bit too much but it doesn't happen that often so it's relatively easy actually mm. to um keep things to myself and um i think the challenge is rather the realization that it's it's counter it it, it works against me on a on a let's say on a professional level because mm. i think people want to relate, especially on a platform like Twitch, people want to relate to someone. People want to see someone, and it's easier to relate to a person when they can see the person mm -hmm. and know what they look like, and you know, age, uh, gender, whatever else there is. Um, so I, I'd say that would be the biggest challenge that I am just not relatable as an individual. But then again, I have to say I don't want to be relatable as an individual i can't i want to be this abstract figure that you don't know anything about other than my voice and you know the little bits and pieces that that i give you 
Yeah. So, you know, balancing that, I guess, would be the biggest challenge, I, I'd say. Yeah, it's always it's always interesting to um to see the approach that people take um that that do a no camp stream because um yeah. it's it's much different. Like there there's a like even even just so so I I obviously I use a camera but there's some nights where I'm just kind of like I oh, you know what I'm not doing a camera tonight I just feel like shit I want the room to be dark I don't want lights in my face and you know I just want to just chill out and play some games and talk shit and it's just there's a there's such a different there's such a different level of on being on your game kind of thing you know yeah. you can be so much more relaxed not having to worry about okay am I making a stupid face does it matter you know does it matter what you know t-shirt i'm wearing like any of that stuff like there's a whole there's a whole list of considerations that are just out of the mix now that you're not turning the camera on tonight um so i've always uh, it's always interesting to me to see um streamers that are just kind of like no it, it kind of like honestly i kind of like it a little more when people can pull it off because it really reminds me of growing up and you know we grew up in the middle of nowhere so we didn't have like I didn't I don't think we had like cable TV. So we had cable TV growing up and then like when I reached about 10 years old we moved out into the middle of nowhere where we didn't have cable TV. Um and so all I had was the radio. So all I heard was people's voices and you know there was no visual to it. And it kind of reminds me of that where it's just kind of like this is kind of cool. This person's able to hold a hold a crowd um or hold a group of people to hang out and you know with with conversation alone and to me it's it's more impressive because you don't have the the cheesing at the camera to rely on where like something happens and you're like, what the fuck was that? You know, kind of that look <laughs> on your face. So you have to kind of be able to theater theater of the mind things a little more. Um, absolutely. That's that's how I how I looked at it always. So it is absolutely easier on your mind when you don't have a cam on because you can basically do whatever you want. Like you could sit there naked if you want to sure and don't have to worry about anything but it is absolutely more difficult to to be funny like comedy mm. is so much more difficult if you don't have that visual aspect because <laughs> yeah. you have to you have to convey everything through your voice and especially if you're like a cynical bastard like i am then it's it's even more difficult to let people know hey what i just said is uh, that was a joke I didn't mean this. Yeah. I'm not a sexist or whatever, you know? <laughs> That's why you might throw in a hammer right at the end of it. Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to come up with a few things. So people, especially someone who come, who just comes into the stream, let's say a new person and they don't know anything about you and then you just make like a sexist remark as a joke or something, mm -hmm. they would immediately go like, what the fuck is this person? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's... There, there's another there's another layer to it on the other side right so yeah. yeah not only do you not have the ability to do that look you have to add things to to what you're saying um what uh and and a lot of this probably has to do more so with uh with the community you kind of got involved with with dvd and and with uh and with streaming and stuff like that was was that the main driving force for being like i'm gonna do my stream in english and not not german or something like that uh yeah that's two two main things the first one was obviously a bigger crowd i can reach more people and uh, you know the friends that i made uh, by being involved in these communities before streaming they were all 
across the world. So we always talked English with each other. So I didn't want to alienate anyone by, you know, starting to stream and just doing it in German because, you know, obviously most of the people that I got to know, they can't speak or understand German. Yeah. So that was the first thing. And the second thing is that I just, I like the language much more than I like my native language, mm. to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, um, do you feel like, so you've been, you know, at this for, you know, four plus years. Um, do you feel like, have you noticed your, your improvement in English? I'd say, yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I would say so. That's interesting. Um, maybe not like vocabulary or anything, mm -hmm. but pronunciation, uh, structure built, like building of sentences, the structures and, and stuff like that. And, uh, I, I'm still struggling with it. Like I'm not as eloquent as I would like to be in this language, but, um, it became easier over the years to have a thought on something or an opinion, if you will, um, on a subject and have that in my mind and then translate it into, into words mm. and, you know, speak about it basically. Like that was, I think the biggest struggle. I could speak English. I could understand English, but I think the biggest thing in the beginning was having a certain thought and wanting to convey that with with language and then you know trying to translate it because you would always think in the beginning i would always think like in german and then i would translate it in in my mind before i would speak but now i start to think in in english uh from the get-go yeah that's a, you know i've always uh, um, we've always asked my dad about that because my dad uh his side of the family's from peru and so they mm. came over here when he was, uh, you know, somewhere between, you know, 10 and 13. Um, and I've always, you know, I, I was always wondering, and I've asked him before, and he said it's a little bit of both. But I was like, when you think about things, are you thinking in Spanish or are you thinking in English? And he said it's more so English now because he was a kid when he came here. So he's been speaking English for a while. Um, but, you know, we had an interesting discussion in your, um, in your channel just the other day. You were playing Amnesia. And you read something that was in German and a, and a note in the game, and uh, it it sounded awesome. But, you know, but, but like again, we got into this discussion where you were like, you like, you feel the same way about you know some people the way they speak English. You know, it's listening to someone who has a grasp of a language that they've been speaking their entire life. It sounds like they've got so much. They've got everything. Everything is everything is like perfected. You know, everything's yeah. kind of got a, got its sound of like, oh, this this motherfucker's been speaking German forever. You know, so it's kind of like it sounded really cool. Um, and you know, my dad is an interesting case where he speaks he speaks Spanish and he also speaks English, but he also moved here when he was you know, like I said, ten or thirteen years old. So he, his 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 actual vocabulary froze in place. So when he talks to people, he said he feels a little subconscious when he talks to people in Spanish because he doesn't have a dense vocabulary because it stopped. He stopped learning okay, new yeah. things when he was 10 or 13. So he's like, so to some people, they think it's weird because I'm talking to them like a child, like I'm a child. And I was like, that's a mind fuck right there. Cause that's, that's interesting though, because the, a similar thing is happening when I like, meet friends in real life and i mean we don't talk english with each other obviously mm -hmm. 
but like I'm, I'm in conversations with them and sometimes I have to stop because I can't think of the German word that I want to say. I can only think of the English word and I can't translate it in my brain. Yeah. So I'm like, I've became less eloquent in German by doing streaming uh, or, you know, hanging around on Twitch and, you know, being entirely English or exclusively English. Yeah. And you, I mean, I guess on a day to day basis, since you, since you do quite a bit of streaming, I mean, you, would you think that you probably speak way more English yeah. than you do German Absolutely. anymore? Yeah. I even, I even talk to myself in English during the day. Wow. Like, I've, you know, when I walk around in the, in, in the apartment and do stuff uh, clean or something. Wow. That's kind of neat. Um, did, uh, so did you, it's, I know it's very different over in, over in Europe because when, so the one time I've been to Europe, we went to Spain and you know, it was, I was dreading it because I don't speak any Spanish at all. And I was like, right. oh, this is going to be fucking great. I look like I should. I'm no, I don't, you know, but you know, we would go into shops and we'd go into places and people were like really excited to find out that we only spoke English and okay. they, cause they learned, they learned English in school. And so they were excited to get to use their English. Um, so was that something, did you, did you just learn English in, in through grade school or did you, is that kind of more of a university thing? I learned English in, um, I think you would say high school, high like, school. uh, gr fifth grade mm -hmm. throughout, uh, 13, mm -hmm. 13th grade, uh, which I guess is because of the history of this country. Like if we think world war two and then the allies and, you know, mm -hmm. Americans coming over. Um, so yeah, learned English. We, we learn English in, in school pretty, pretty early on, but it's, it's just, it's very basic. So the real learning effect comes from, at least for me, from watching films mainly and listening to music and like watching films in the original language. Like at, at some point in my life, I started, I think around like 16, 17 years old, I started watching films not with the dub versions anymore, but uh, like in the original, but with uh, with English subtitles. Okay. So I would listen to it and I would read it at the same time, and that had a huge effect on my my English. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's and it's and it's kind of a you if you don't use it, you lose it type of thing, right? Where it's like exactly, yeah. The more you do it, because that's that's how we learn language growing up as a kid. It's just like you're communicating with your parents you're communicating with other family members or friends and stuff like that and you're just kind of like eventually things just start making sense you don't i think a lot of people get stuck and this is this can be with anything even outside of language a lot of people kind of get stuck on this look at all this shit i have to learn like I, there's no way i can learn it all at once it's like no no one learns it all at once like it's just yeah. there's only you know there's a, there's only a time where you only know five words as a kid you know it's like that's and that's that's where you start and you just kind of build it up so I think that probably holds a lot of people back and that like as far as learning a new language and that and as you get older, you know, there's just more shit going on. So and I'm not going to find anybody on a regular basis to, to speak Spanish with. So when do I get to practice that? You know? Yeah, it's it, it really is the best when you start as as early as you can. I remember um, good friends of my uh, my parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, good friends of my parents um, were. It was a couple, and the, the 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 guy was from Germany, and was actually a teacher, a German teacher, 
and uh, the woman was like his wife was from England mm. and they have two children uh, two daughters and they started from the beginning uh, the the mother would talk English with them and the father would talk German with them and I got to know them uh, I don't know the I think the oldest daughter was around maybe 10 11 years old or something when mm. I met them for the first time and she could speak fluently German and fluently English and it just it blew my mind just yeah. seeing like this this 10 year old girl speaking two languages fluently and that's really crazy so yeah, yeah the earlier the better yeah, my uh, I told you I, I was we were, when we were having that discussion in your chat. I was talking about um, one of my siblings, my sister. She uh, she she learned um, she learned German mostly mostly in high school, but she picked up on it really really well. And we had a German exchange student, and um, and she went over to Germany for her you know part of her last year of high school as an exchange student. And uh, it's weird because when I hear her, when I do hear her you know, when she will rarely talk German uh, with someone she knows, it's just kind of like, it still sounds weird because it's still my sister's voice that yeah. I'm used to hearing say English, you know? So it's, uh, it's interesting. And, and, and we were talking about, you know, how a person that learns it later, you know, like you, you were saying like English, English speakers tend to round words off. Whereas yep. in German, you guys tend to, what did you say? Like edge it out more so yeah our, our language is more like it, it has more edges mm -hmm. or it, at least that's the way i perceive it like yeah. whenever i hear let's say an american that can speak fluently german mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure i could hear it that they are actually american yeah. and they're just speaking german because there's it's it, it's a certain tone it's almost like when someone listens to me and says yeah i can hear your your german accent that's kind of like what it is okay yeah it's kind of you know the other way around obviously yeah we love to shorten words i mean we yeah. love we love like so instead of rounding off we like to round and off you know it's like it's more of a just dropping things off and, and me being from the southern united states it's like a whole nother level of of that too where it's yeah you're combining words it, it gets weird it gets really weird um i was trying to think there oh um i was reading an article the other day um because you you brought up college a couple times and uh, it and this is this is in the in North uh, North America, um, I was reading an article in the Atlantic uh, by Ian Bogos Bogost I think is how he says it but uh, the name of the article was America will sacrifice anything for the college experience, um, and they're t basically relating it to COVID and and coronavirus and all that stuff and how we've had to change kind of the way we do things um, in order to. Uh, just kind of have some semblance of whatever, you know, we can, we can do normal shit out in the world. Um, and a lot of what's changed with, with grade school and with colleges and stuff like that is the fact that a lot of the, it turned into more of distance learning. It turned into a lot more online stuff. Um, and he was, he was basically talking about how it kind of brought to light and it's kind of, it was kind of a, a shocker for parents and, and students and, and more so for the colleges where it's like the education alone isn't worth the price tag, you know, because they're not getting the experiences that come along with that education. Um, and it's all stuff. He kind of went over all this stuff that had nothing to really do with, um, with the actual education portion. It's like, it's like, you don't get that time of hanging out, you know, with, 
a lot of people that you don't know. Like there's so many, there's so many less people you get to meet now because there's so many less people going to campus or so many, you know, so it's kind of talking about how the, the experience, which is made a big deal out of like the, he kind of talks about how, um, in America, like college is sold as this whole package experience, almost like this four year educational vacation, you know, yeah. um, where you get away from the parents, you get away from, you know, you're on your own for the first time, kind of. And it's, it's weird. Like I, I've never really talked to, I guess I've never really talked about it to someone who went to university in Europe or, or in Germany even. Um, is it, is it still like, is it kind of packaged like that there or is it more, a little more straightforward? No, I'm here to learn and then I'm out of here. Um, I'd say it is kind of packaged that way too. Mm -hmm. When I, before I went to university, I couldn't wait because, because of that packaging, because uh, people were like, oh yeah, we're going to be on our own for the first time. We're going to have the, uh, the college experience. We're going to hang out on campus. We're going to meet new people. We're going to take drugs. We're going to drink alcohol. We're going to learn all this cool stuff. And we can, and the biggest thing for me at least was I can finally decide what I want to learn. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, instead of going to school and then you have to do this, you have biology, you have uh, math, you have English and all of that stuff. And you have to do these things and you have to learn them and then you have to write exams. But in college, it would be the way that you decide what you want to learn and uh, what you're interested in and stuff like that. So that was like the biggest draw for me in the beginning. Um, therefore, I would say, yeah, it's it's absolutely packaged that way too. But then you go to university and you start realizing, I mean, yeah, you have the campus, you do get to know other people and you are kind of like on your own, obviously depending on where you go to, but I moved as far away as I could and uh, was on my own. But when it comes to the education itself, it's not as free as I imagined it. Mm -hmm. Like you, you still decide, but there is still some force uh, in there like you have to you, for example uh, i decided to go with uh, modern history was the official term of my major mm -hmm. but i still had to go and um, do a course on ancient history for example sure. and to learn about greek greek ancient greek and, and stuff like that mm. so yeah yeah it's it, it it's gonna be kind of weird to see how it how it kind of changes because i've already gone through all that so i'm kind of in that, all right, well now I, I have a career and I, I work toward paying my own bills and, and doing my own thing here. So uh, there's there's been a lot of talk, you know, amongst me and my friends, especially people who have kids and are, and are going to have kids. Like, it's like how, probably more so people who have kids right now who have to kind of worry about how something like the pandemic is going to affect their, um, the socialization of their kid because there's obviously yeah. there's not the same type of we can't just go to the playground and play with other kids you know it's like it's yeah. not it's not the same so um there's kind of a similar a lot of people are looking into how that also affects the the college experience and you know because you're just learning things you're just learning things in a different way than you would have if you were just able to just show up and just go to class because i mean now you're talking about classes that were full of like 30 40 people I mean, they might be 
10 or 15 now you know it's like it's like it's yeah. really weird it's a really weird change it feels like a ghost town honestly um so that, that article that you were talking about uh, are they making a case now that college or you know education should not be as expensive because they are forced to take away that experience that college experience in a way yes because um in a way they they are they they are trying to justify that because yeah i mean think about the fact that all these buildings all the you know the staff needed to staff the buildings stuff like that aren't needed as much anymore so mm, okay. in in theory the cost should be going down as far as to the school the, the cost of the school because they don't have nearly the amount of resources they needed before to take care of a full campus of people um you know the university here is gigantic like if the if the university wasn't here we would just be a tiny little town of of nothing really like it'd be mm -hmm. it'd be just a normal little town but uh the university brings so many people from around the world it, it really does help i i'm kind of glad i grew up here because it does help the it does help you just kind of get to know other cultures um and to just meet people that aren't even like it doesn't even have to be from outside of the country just I meet people from California just because they moved here to go to college instead of staying in California, you know, you just get exposed to a lot more people. And it, unfortunately, a lot of the bigger colleges here uh, run very similar to a corporation where it's, we're going to expand, you know, cause they're, they're kind of counting on, well, we got this much money this year in tuition. So next year we're definitely going to get this much. So let's go ahead and build that building. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, everything's kind of on a weird hold as far as that goes, but there's still like, there's a lot of people who have a problem with the fact that, well, now I'm sitting at home all day on a computer and I see that my teacher is sitting at home on her computer teaching me this stuff. So why am I paying a facility fee? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of bringing to light a lot of that stuff where people are just kind of like, I'm not getting the same experience that I would get for this price tag. You know, I'm, I'm also just staying home now. So I don't know. On top of that, I also, I don't know where I, I read that, but I read about someone who, he was just complaining about how um, he doesn't really get shit done by sitting at home and trying to like do homework or learn things because, because he's at home and that's usually like not a space where you would learn a lot of things yeah. especially like you know in a university a relation uh, as well like I, I remember myself when i went to um when i went to university i would never sit in my apartment and learn i would always go to um to the library and you know with my pack up my laptop go to the library and just sit there for like hours upon hours and just you know learn away because kind of you need to separate those spaces so when you come home you can relax and chill and then when you go into i don't know the college itself or or the, the library or whatever your, your brain kind of like flips that switch and it, knows okay and now it's the time to to do some work yeah and people people are struggling um i i think at least a lot of people are struggling with that fact that they have to now sit at home and do all of the sit uh, this this stuff especially when they have to sit at the same computer, they play video games and and listen to a professor like via Skype or however it works mm -hmm. these days, uh, you know, talk about something. I guess that fucks with your brain. It, yeah, it has to. I mean, it's just kind of like there's two different types of people, uh, two different types of workout people. Like there's people that can work out at home, no problem. And then there's people that have to go to a gym. Like they just, yeah. they cannot bring themselves to do, you know, 
working out at home or, or even to talk about what we were talking about earlier, you didn't start really developing and, and evolving in your drumming until you actually got out of the basement exactly, and, yeah. and started playing with other people. You know, um, there's just a different mindset. Like it's too easy for me. Like it's, it's too easy for me to go and, and lay down on the couch than to sit here and do something boring. You know, it's like if I'm, yeah. if I'm supposed to work, thankfully, you know, I don't really have a problem with the working from home thing. Um, but I did have like the early days when I was still in college, the early days of online learning really sucked. I was like, I was, I would much rather be in a classroom because I feel like it was kind of set up like a message board where it's like, Oh, post your questions here and I'll answer them at some point. And it's like, it's kind of nice to have that instant feedback of like, no, I've got a question now so I can finish what I'm doing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, before uh, we moved back uh, to where we're living now, we lived in Atlanta and um, my wife had a job that was, she, she, she mainly worked from home. And so, and the rest of her stuff was kind of on the road doing inspection type stuff. And, it kind of drove her, it kind of drove her a little crazy just because she never, we were living in a, in a pretty, like, it was like a, it's a one bedroom apartment, but it had, it had a good amount of like living space. Um, but she didn't have an office per se. She just kind of had like the dining room was kind of turned into like a makeshift office. So when she got off work, she was still technically like in her office. Like it was still there, like just to, just to our left while we're watching TV. And it was like really stressful for her because, she she wasn't able to she never felt like she got away from work because it was always just kind of sitting there waiting on her you know yeah um so i'm sure there's people struggling with that um at you know that are in college right now because a lot of people will be like that are concerned will, will be like why why are people showing up on campus and while i do still i'm i'm as careful as i can be with what's going on now I understand why people, some people still show up even though they have the option to stay at home and learn because it puts you in a different mindset to be sitting at a desk looking at a, at a whiteboard, you know, like while the, you know, professor is explaining things to you in person. So I can't get mad at people who still want to do that, but I also, is it, is it voluntarily, uh, for, for college students to go in or not from what I, yeah, from what I understand, at least, at least here where I'm at, um, in order to be in compliance with whatever the state is saying, there has to be a certain percentage of available in-person class time if students want it. Um, okay. So they can, like, by all all rights, stay at home and do all of their stuff through Zoom and, you know, submit all their stuff um, remotely. But there's still a good amount that still show up. Um, I'm on a side of campus that doesn't really have... Um, that doesn't have all the essential stuff that everyone has to do. Like it's more of the, more of the in-depth major side of things uh, that, that the classrooms are a little more full, like your English and, and biology, which I'm sure that's weird because how are you going to do a lab when you don't have a lab at home kind of thing? uh, If you're doing like chemistry or something like that. Um, But yeah, from what I understand, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a choice. So you could be at home if you wanted to, or you could be there, which is fortunate, but it gets weird when like, so they've got maximum occupancies on all the, all the uh, rooms, right? So what if the maximum occupancy is 10 and you want, you got 12 kids that want to show up. I don't know how they deal with that. I have no clue. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. It's it's been a very fucking weird year, man. <laughs> it's <laughs> difficult, yeah. It's very it's very difficult, and um, and people just seem like very. It's 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 been and that's probably something that contributes a lot to my inability to focus and you know stuff like that. There's just all this other stuff running in the background, you know, that you're just kind of like, well, now when I go to the store, I can't just go to the store and go get something. I have to like, all right, do I have my mask? What did I touch? You know, come home. Do I just fully take a shower? Do you know? It's it's all this weird stuff. You think of who touched the product before I picked it up off the shelf, kind of shit. So. It's just, everything's yeah, got a I'm new step to add to it. I'm also guessing it's it's a bit more crazy for you over there um, than it is for me over here, folks. Like I still have to pick up my mask and wear my mask when I go, you know, grocery shopping or something. Mm. But I'm not really in that mindset when I'm in the shop. Who touched that toast that I'm about to grab out of the shelf right now? Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just blending it out. Or it's just not as crazy as it seems to be in America currently. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't really, I can't really say because I'm, I'm not really reading um, any news, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. So I don't really know how the exact situation here is. We still have also like maximum, uh, like you know, there's only a certain amount of people allowed in, uh, in the shop, and uh, you have to wear your mask. But beyond that you don't really notice too much like it's kind of like business as usual just with these few adjustments it which would which wouldn't i mean we we have those guidelines here um but you have a lot of people who are just kind of like you can't tell me what to do you know kind of yeah that's that's the big difference that's I'd say. a huge difference and it's <laughs> it sucks because like i'll show up to you know, I got, you know, I got a place that I like to get coffee from and, you know, I'll, I'll stop there on the way to work some mornings and, you know, go in there and, and, you know, sometimes I'm the only one in there. You know, last time I went in there, there were two people in line without a mask on, just chilling. One was sneezing. One was just sneezing. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's, it's so stressful. That's something I can't wrap my head around. I yeah. don't know. And that that's probably what lends itself a little more into into my thinking of like who touched this, who was around this, because you'll walk into a store and while 85, 90% of people have a mask on, you still have that 10 to 15 that don't. And they're still just walking sense, around. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, well, what are you, what are you doing? Like, do what you, if you catch that one toast that the one dickhead touched who yeah. just sneezed in his hand right before he touched it? yeah and that's yeah i get that it sucks man it's it's really not a fun time as far as that goes but i don't want to make it out like i'm like constantly walking around like turning the light switch on and off five times and you know being you know hype <laughs> it's just you're just a little more there's just a couple more steps to everything right now you know and um it's just kind of like you're just wanting to be a little more careful you know and it's it's not a and it's not a case of like it's not a case of being, it is a case of being nervous that you might get it, but it, it's also a case of like, you're doing it to, I'm doing it also to be courteous to the people who have to be at that store working all day. You know, like I want to reduce the chance as much because that person needs to work there to, to make their money, you know, to make, you know, pay yeah. their bills and stuff. And they have to wear a mask all day. 
and it's just kind of like it's only I can for the ten minutes I'm in this store I can put a mask on, you know. And then there's just some people who are just kind of like I'm not doing it, I'm going in, I'm not doing it. It's like yeah, right. that, that's the crazy thing because it, it really is most of the majority of it. It really is that you looking out for other people mm -hmm. rather than for yourself, and that you know that there's a group of people or a lot of people out there who just don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's kind of worrying. I'm related to some of them, and it sucks. It's, it, it really sucks. You know, we we've discussed it before. We're just chatting with each other, yeah. but it's just not like it's it's amazing because you're just kind of like, well, how are you not seeing this? Like, how are you not putting these two things together? Because growing up, you seemed like you had your shit together, and now you're just showing your ass. Um, there was a really good uh, there was a really good article the other day um, about because the Borat movie was coming out. It just came out last night. Um, and we watched it. It's it's really we actually watched the original and then we watched the new one, um, and it's it's very it's a very interesting look, you know, at uh, at society. And I've always loved how Sasha Baron Cohen's able to do that, um, where it's like he's doing this ridiculous thing, but he's also showing you just how ridiculous real people are about yeah. their their mentalities. Well, this guy was writing an article about Borat, and he was kind of making this comparison that. Basically, uh, political extremists are doing their rendition of Borat. Like they're kind of doing this thing where it's like, no, I'm this character playing out this this thing where I'm going to walk around with no mask on and with my gun on my shoulder, and you know that's just my thing. And I'm going to wear you know whatever shirt you know that I'm affiliated with um, politically, and I'm going to wear that as my badge of who I am, um, and. It's just kind of like, I just remember, and maybe I just never paid attention, but there was just such a large amount of time growing up where your your politics didn't really, didn't really also determine what your personality was. And I think a lot of people have merged those two things together now. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like it's, it's kind of astounding. I was, I was almost kind of wondering like, as far as like election time goes, I don't know how much you even pay attention to it where you're at, but like the astounding amount of mail we get, it's just like borderline. I mean, I even say borderline when it, but you know, it's straight up propaganda on some cases. In some cases, it's just like, hey, vote for me. This is what I'm up for. And then you get like a bill, you know, a, a handbill from the same promoting the same person, but it's like so-and-so's radical agenda is going to kill your children kind of thing. Like it's, oh, it's, idea. <laughs> I, I wish I had started collecting it when it all started rolling in, but like about a month, about the, the beginning of last month, I was like, we've got, we're about a month away from the election. I'm just going to hold on to every piece of like the weird, not, not so much like the informational stuff that's like, Oh, okay, well this person's, this is this person's policies, but like the weird propaganda. So I have like, I'm going to take a picture of all of it when it's when the election's done. It is astounding how much I have. It's a ridiculous amount. Like we get at least 3 pieces a day in the mail. That's crazy, man. I yeah, I I'm, I'm watching it. I'm not like looking at it every day or something, mm -hmm. but it is interesting to me because it's it's so different. It always has been so different like you, how it works with the uh, specifically like election day and how uh, your candidates prepare for it and the discussions and some it's almost like if you look at it from 
my perspective, from like a European perspective, it's almost like reality TV. Like you could show someone who has no idea about anything. You could someone you could show that to someone, and they would think it's fake. Like that's that's like reality TV that's filmed, and those are actors. Yeah, what they see currently. Because like I, I was watching a little bit of the first debate. I didn't watch the second one yet. I heard they had a mute button on the second one. First time in history. Yeah, <laughs> first time in history. <laughs> And I was watching the first one, and I actually, I just couldn't believe it, man. I just could not believe the audacity. Sometimes <sighs> it's it's rough, it's stressful, and and both sides eat it up. And it just I I I stay mad at both sides, honestly. It's not yeah. There's no one side is incredibly good at towing the line, regardless of what's happening. The other side is incredibly good at eating itself. Um, you know, when, when things are, when you, when you get people in place that are actually trying to do something good, they're like, well, didn't you one time say this one thing? So let's just tear this person down for something they said like 15 years ago or something they voted yeah. for. It's, it's kind of rough. I, I, it would be too, I couldn't see being a politician, like, because you couldn't just be frank and just, and just talk about what's on your mind because how is this person going to take it? is this is this in line with what my party says like it just feels so stressful it's stressful to watch it's stressful to just be here and i've been trying to take this kind of um attitude of look man it doesn't really matter what anyone says or what anyone um as far as the people that are that are voters right you can most people have their mind made up you're not going to change their mind so just show the fuck up at the at the voting booth and vote that's really all you can do um all the other stuff is just arguing for the sake of arguing. Like it's, it's a lot of the reason why, I'd, I mean, I mean, uh, there's several reasons why you should pull away from Facebook, but it's, it's, there's a big, you know, it's a big reason why I don't even look at that anymore. Cause it's just kind of like, what's the point? It's just people arguing about shit that they're not going to change each other's minds about. So yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, I can't even imagine like living in it too. Like not only just seeing it, but like living in it too, because it, you know, it affects you. It doesn't, mm -hmm really affect me maybe passively it will affect me as, on some level mm -hmm. but not as much as it affects you yeah um it's it's an i was talking to the wife about it last night it's an amazing amount of people sticking their nose in other people's business it's just <laughs> yeah. it's a bunch of people who get like really just can't help but give a shit who someone marries or what someone does with their body and, and what someone wants to, you know, it, it just comes down to these weird little cults. Like they're all just little mini cults and it's just like, ugh, can we just go to work, come home, watch the TV shows we want to watch, you know, marry who we want to marry and, you know, go about our business. No, man, I got to complain about the other <laughs> side on Twitter. The other side's tearing apart the idea of family. Everyone, everyone has to live their life like I am. I, I, I can't. I just—it's so bad. <laughs> um, I know we've been going about two hours. Um, do you have a little more time for questions? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay. I got some people that ask some questions, and then we can start wrapping up. Um, I don't know how relevant this would be to you, but uh, Rocket Robo Bear wanted to know. Do you have a favorite Halloween or a favorite Halloween memory or is Halloween even a thing that you think about? 
Not really, no. No? Okay. It's, it's, Halloween was never, it's crazy. When I grew up, Halloween was here in Germany, not a thing at all. Mm. Like we had Halloween and it would be a holiday, but uh, it would never be like, oh, let's go dress up in a costume and go from door to door as as children, go from door to door and, you know, get some candy from people. That That was never a thing. It started to become a thing, though, when I was already uh, in my teenage years. And when I was a teen, I, you know, I'm not dressing up anymore and go from door to door to get some candy. Yeah. So I would always just treat it as like a holiday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, nothing more. The only thing is that my birthday is around that time. Like my birthday is October 30th and okay. Halloween is, you know, the, the day after. So that would be like the only connection all hallows eve nice all hallows eve yeah your birthday interesting um the uh well happy early birthday uh thank you yeah i would say it it probably has a lot to do with the internet and just people seeing oh look you know people do this in other places let's do it here and companies probably figure out a way to make money off of it so (laughs) absolutely Um, Let's see what else. Um, like Valentine's Day. Yeah. Oh God, shoot me in the face, please. Um, <laughs> Curdy asks, "What kind of phone do you have?" <laughs> I have a flip phone. Nice. I have a Samsung flip phone. I don't know the exact model, but uh, yeah, it's an old one, and I have it for least 10 years and it's still holding strong man there you go nice so is the is the aversion to smartphones similar to just like i want to stay as fucking unattached from shit as possible yeah okay mainly mainly i just first of all i don't need it i don't think i need it sure i don't need a smartphone i don't need to be online at uh, any given minute of the day yeah and uh, secondly, I also don't want to be online at any given minute of the day. Like I, I know I want to know I can detach myself from it when I want to. That is by you know shutting off the PC, obviously. Right, right. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Like I, I've found in the past couple of years, I've really just not that I leave my phone, you know, behind a lot, but I just don't. I do a lot of catch up on my phone or a lot of just a lot of just similar stuff that I would do online. But like, I'm not constantly checking my phone like I used to. Um, I do a lot of like, Oh, what did I miss in this chat? Like I go through and I, and I catch up on, you know, what people have said, but there, there are a lot of people who are just like constantly staring at their phones and it's constantly. Yeah. So weird. I have, I have friends who like, you can't catch them for 10 seconds straight without them looking at their phone. Yeah, And I mean, it's just, it kills any sort of conversation. When I think back, I don't want to be that guy, oh, back in the day, everything was better. <laughs> but when I think back, we would like go go outside and we would just walk around for five hours in the city and just talk and no one would whip out their phone or something or, you know, anything like that. Uh, yeah. These days you sit around the table and everyone is just, you know, staring at their phone all the time. The phones are on the table too at all times because you can't miss it when you get an email or whatever or a message. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's very different nowadays. Yeah. The notification sounds like the people, 
like the the phantom vibrate where people think their their phone's gone off yeah, so they check it exactly. like it's it is it is really um it is really it odd like smoking like or an addiction in general yeah because uh, scientists do say that uh, when you get a notification on your smartphone it it releases endorphins yeah in your in your system like dopamine or something like that yeah which is which is insane and 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 that's actually the the art of what a notification looks like, what it sounds like is something yes. that's heavily studied by companies to where it's like, what's going to be a pleasing tone to hear, you know, that someone's going to be exactly. like, Ooh, or something that, something that pierces. I don't know if you've heard the, uh, the, the Facebook messenger ping that, um, that happens when someone gets a message, but it's very distinct so. and it's very sharp. Um, and being an audio person, I've always found it interesting. Like, what people go with as far as like their tone goes that they kind of like snaps them out of whatever they're doing like oh i got a message you know um yeah. I, I my phone stays largely on on vibrate and pretty much stay it's, it stays a lot more untouched than it used to but yeah i i try to make it a point to even like if i'm going out to dinner with the wife or if we're going to be doing a movie or something like that i try my best to just leave the phone in another room or just even just throw it in like the glove box of the car and not even worry about mm -hmm. it um but then you have the people who are like, but what if something happens and someone's doing something and you need to call the cops? I'm like, well, maybe they'll, I don't know. I don't, I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I'll, to ask the next person if you can use their phone. Right. Like that. I'll, I'll take the other 15 phones that are in the room with me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I always thought. Um, that's why I always thought it was cool that uh, Dave Chappelle, he locks up people's smartphones at his shows. Like mm. they have to do it. They have to put it in a zip bag and, you know, can't take it out until until the show's over obviously we actually experienced that with uh kevin hart uh we went and saw we we, yeah. we happened upon a kevin hart show um he was just doing the, this before uh before the pandemic hit like probably a month or two before um he started doing he was filming a, a movie here in in atlanta and there's a small um comedy club called the laughing skull and he kind of took up residency there and he was doing these small shows working on new material um up in front of like i don't know 50 people at a time um and so we went we happened to we we happened to get tickets to one of the nights and uh they they made you put your phones in these like these bags that are they're kind of like they're kind of like sealed like security tags are on clothes you know mm -hmm. um where these little pins like snap into place and then at the end of the show as you're going out they they tap the bag and it unlocks the magnet oh, okay. or whatever and so it's it's really, really kind of cool um, to see when when people do that because I'm a huge stand up comedy fan anyway. So like whatever I can do to kind of help not ruin their their bits because a lot of people a lot of people like to record shit on their phone. Like I mean I know you're a concert person. Um, yeah, I cannot stand. I, I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> I cannot stand it. I, I, one of the last. So there's this there's this there's this venue in Atlanta called the Masquerade. It's a really I've I've seen so many so many concerts there. Um it's an old mill that they turned it's like a three level mill that they had just turned into a venue that was they basically turned it to heaven, hell and purgatory. And they would always have like the harder concerts were always up in heaven. I don't know why, but it was just like the better layout. And uh, one was more of a like an event room and the other one was like kind of more like a They'd have more like EDM type like rave shows mm. there. Um, anyway, so 
we would go there all the time and they finally started shutting down because they a lot of real estate investors have started turning over a lot of those rougher parts of atlanta and making them into high rises and all this shit. so kind of just scrubbing the character out of the place um but one of the last shows i went to there was they had like they had set up a little amphitheater back behind the masquerade and it was um faith no more with uh with mike Patton, which fucking amazing such a good show but i had to actually almost i was ready to fight this guy but thankfully he just kind of got out of the way but he was just he was standing in front of me with his arms up holding a huge a huge smartphone recording the entire thing and i was just like it it, it, the first song when they came out i was like all right look he's excited to see faith no more maybe he just wants to record the first couple minutes i'll give him a chance by the time song two was almost over, I was like, dude, you're going to have to stand behind me or, I, or we're going to have a problem. Like it was that. <laughs> and it's just so different, man. It and really what are you is. getting out of that is my question. Who's watching it? No one. Yeah. Not even you. You're not even watching I it. Really, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. But yeah, we, I was, I was, um, uh, watching tool live in, in Zurich, mm-hmm. I think a year ago or so. Yeah. Um, and they were like, they didn't lock up people's phones, but they just constantly uh, kept reminding, before the show, they constantly kept reminding, uh, like through the speaker system, uh, you know, please be aware, don't put out your phones and just, you know, just keep your phones in your pockets and don't whip them out and stuff like that. And then they they would play their show. And then um, before the last song, Maynard would actually say to the crowd, all right, here's, um, here's the time you're all been waiting for. You're now allowed to whip out your phones. And you can't record this last song that we're going to play for you, which was Push It, and eh, not not Push It, uh, Stink Fist yeah. is what they were playing. And, you know, you would think in such a situation, because a lot of people were respectful um, of that, like you did see the occasional phone here and there, mm-hmm. but mostly uh, people would uh, just, you know, just enjoy the show. You would think that after like one and a half hours, people wouldn't give a shit about that and would just enjoy the last song just like they enjoyed the other 90 minutes of the show mm. but as soon as he said it like 70 percent of the entire crowd was whipping out their smartphones and would just record that entire last track and it's just insane you gotta you gotta wonder how much of that too is a the repeated denial uh like the repeated like reminding of you're not supposed to do this you're not supposed to do this and then when like the front man of the band says okay you can do this like uh, like how, a parental thing right it's almost like a well <laughs> maybe they're about to do something amazing and he's giving me permission to record i don't uh, know okay. like it's like works like a weird um reverse psychology type situation <laughs> maybe yeah but man it's it's it drives me crazy but i i'm, I'm a big fan of sitting down and, and and actually like you said it can ruin conversations and that's why i kind of that's why i really do enjoy podcasting and streaming because i don't i mean if unless i'm really waiting on something some sort of confirmation from something or someone calling me about something important my phone is like my phone right now is on the floor like under my desk because mm-hmm. it vibrate it'll still vibrate while i'm recording and it drives me crazy um but yeah, I'm just kind of like, just have a fucking conversation. Like I had this, I had this constant daydream, like about opening up a, a place that's like a, a pub or a tavern or something like that, where you had to relinquish your phone or put it in like one of those bags where it's like, no, you That'd need cool. to have conversation, you know, have it actually be you sitting across the table and having a conversation with someone, whether you knew them or not, like, cause that's some of my favorite shit. Like one of my, 
something that sticks out in my head is one of my favorite moments from uh, from the past couple of years, just in 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 conversating with people that I didn't know that well. Was after I think it might have been TwitchCon last year. Um, hmm. I got so me and my friend that went, he his flight was an hour or two earlier than mine, but I was like, well, I'm just gonna go ahead and go to the airport with you. Ended up meeting this guy while I was waiting. I was, I was grabbing a beer at the terminal and ended up meeting this guy who was um, a retired, I think he was like a retired US Marine, um, Mexican dude. And he uh, he moved to Mexico. He's like living in this small town in Mexico, like being basically being a cowboy, you know, teaching, you know, tending a farm and teaching people to ride horses and stuff like that. And he was just like, crazy dude like he was in the first go around of like desert storm like the war in iraq the first time around with the first bush um and it was a really cool conversation this other guy came and joined us from arizona and like it was just like holy shit this is what i enjoy just like getting to know people and getting to kind of prod them like you know about what it's like and and then answering their questions and stuff like that because they were both clearly way older than me they probably at, at least 20 years older than me maybe 30 um i don't know that that kind of stuff is just cool to me like just to have conversation and get to know people and i feel like that gets it's easy to yeah, miss ev- those opportunities if you are everyone distracted. has a crazy has a crazy story right mm, absolutely like if, you, if, if you just if you just make that leap and you know let let a conversation happen yeah yeah 100 percent. like it's know. And and well, we've all been in that situation where it's like, okay, well now you're on your phone, so I don't even know if you heard what I said. You know, it's like fuck. Yeah. Um, let's see. Seidel wanted to know if you actually like fudge, proper fudge, like the food fudge. I have to be honest. I don't even know if I ever had proper fudge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had chocolate before. Yeah. But as far as I can tell from what people told me, it's not really just chocolate. Yeah, it's like an in-between. Like if you took the consistency of a chocolate bar and the consistency of brownies and mixed them. So it's a little bit soft, but okay. it's not quite cakey like a brownie. And it's probably about as thick as a piece of a brownie. Okay. I, I might have had something similar before. It's really and fucking yeah. sweet. Really sweet. Sure. I mean, I can't probably can't eat too much of it because too much chocolate is just that makes me sick to the stomach but you know it's not bad um simply ally asks um do you ever plan to do a face reveal or is that just kind of a thing for you and you're just not going to do that um it's not written yet uh i haven't decided that hmm. i am warming up to the idea of revealing a little bit more like if if you would have asked me two years ago if i would ever like incorporate a webcam into my into my stream it, it no, no matter how it would look like just a webcam if you would just use the word webcam i would immediately say no because mm. just this setup that i have right now it would make me paranoid that the camera would you know just slip off the table and land on its back and just show me for like two seconds. <laughs> I would be too paranoid to use it. So I would never do that. But I am like within the last year or so, or within the year of 2020, mm. I am kind of like warming up a little bit more to the idea of becoming a little bit more tangible as a person. So I wouldn't say yes or no. 
Okay. It's just I don't know yet. I haven't decided yet. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like like we said before. There's something about being able to do it without it. It's, it's just really cool to me. So I mean, yeah. Uh, I have I mean, this cool. I have this. I have um, this cool scene in my head that um, I would I would really like to get. Uh, a proper DSLR camera, like the one that you used before on your show, something like that, mm -hmm. and set it up properly behind me, so it would show my entire, um, basically my entire working place with my monitors and stuff, and would show me from the back, sitting in my chair. Mm. That would be cool if I could. I don't. Have you ever um, watched a guy called Silent Sentry on Twitch? No. He's like a role. He does a lot of role play. He also did a little bit of DVD, but he has a very cool camera set up, and it's it's essentially a top down view on him and his setup in a, in like a like he has a setup in a tiny room, and it's it's like it's filling out basically the entire room, and he has this camera from from the top down at him, almost like surveillance. So fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It looks so fucking cool. I would love to do something like that at some point, maybe. Man, it'd be it'd be great to find like a shitty old like you know just an actual security camera from like an old system that you can hook up, just like make CCTV. it look. Yeah, just like old CCTV. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be kind of neat. Uh, but you can make, I guess, you can make a camera look like anything now with a filter or something like that. You can make it look like it's in a inside of a dirty like yes, yeah. plastic dome or something like that. Um. Let's see. Uh, she had a couple of follow-up questions. Um, would you... All right. This led to a way longer discussion than it needed to be on my channel when she asked it. But um, would you fight one 100-foot duck or 101-foot ducks? What is one foot in centimeters? Uh, it's about... Oh, now you're going to make me look. I'm, I'm that dumb. <laughs> That's how dumb. Let's see. <laughs> Imperial system, man. Yeah, I know. We're, we're wonderful here. Uh, it's about 30 centimeters. So, 130 centimeter ducks? Mm-hmm. Or, what was the other one? One 100 foot ducks. So that'd be, what is, uh... Three meters. Or, no, 30 meters? 3,000 centimeters. <laughs> I don't know, whatever that is. <laughs> 3,000 centimeters is 30 meters. Yeah, yeah 30, 30 meters. Yeah, 30 meters, 30.48 meters. Uh, the 30 centimeter ducks. Yeah. 130 centimeter ducks, for sure. Yeah, you just, all you got to do is start just, booting them, right? You just, yeah, it's just step on them. So what that led to was us <laughs> talking about how many toddlers we thought we could take like if they were being sent at us in waves, right? In constant waves, how many toddlers could you take out? Like we're talking about, and, and their sole purpose is to just immobilize you, but you do whatever you can to get away from it. And, and so that led to like a literally an hour and a half conversation. Oh my and, God. And at some point ended up being my, you know, my wife coming in and telling me I was stupid because I, there's no way I could take on that many toddlers. I was like, I was like 20 to 30, I could do it. She goes, fuck you, you're too out of shape. You're 37 you're dumb so it's uh it's interesting um okay so so the so the small ducks 101 foot ducks okay um and then her last question was what do you do when you're not streaming uh watch streams listen to music make music 
watch films. All right. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's... <laughs> not really much going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much what I'm doing. <laughs> like, all right, well, I think that's what a lot of us are doing, to be honest. It's not like you can just go out and do shit right now yeah. on a normal basis. Um, let's see. Um, Amanda asked, this is the last question. Amanda asked, what are you asking for for Christmas? And I was like, are you asking Fudge what he's asking for for Christmas? She said, yes. I said, okay, I'll ask him. Uh, nothing. I, I never ask for anything. I, every year uh, I get asked from uh, from family what I want and I always say nothing. I don't want any. I don't like the idea of being gifted presents. Yeah. I like the idea of gifting because it, it makes me happy making someone else happy. Mm -hmm. But I, it, I find it rather awkward receiving gifts. Which is also, which is kind of weird if you think about being on Twitch, you know, yeah. people basically gifting stuff to you, but it always, it has always made me feel awkward. So my, my answer is always, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. Don't give me anything. Yeah. There's a weird feeling of like, now I feel like, like in my, in my brain, I'm like, well, now I owe you something. Like now I, now yeah. I feel like I need to even it out for some reason, even though a lot of people aren't expecting that, but you still kind of feel that way. Like when we got married we were, there was like, well, when are you doing a wedding registry? And we're like, do we have to do one? Because I really don't want, I mean, I'm, I'm a grown-ass person. Like, I really don't need you to give me anything. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but no, I get that. I get that for sure. Um, but yeah, that was it. Like, uh, just I was wondering if people had some random questions. So they gave them to me. Nice. It's nice. nice. Um, let's see. Uh, we usually do a thing before we wrap up um, of uh, what you're watching or what you suggest people watch that you're into lately. Uh, do you have a, a movie, a TV show, anything you think people should be watching? Uh, let's see. A lot. Um, I've been watching season two of The Boys oh, yes. very recently. That was the recent show that I've watched. That was kind of cool, I guess. But when it comes to suggestions i would absolutely recommend each and everyone to watch a show called the wire because it's the best tv show ever created i can absolutely agree with you on that i love the wire i've, yeah. I've probably I'm, i need to start my like fifth or sixth wa watch through on it I, I don't know how many times i've watched it at this point but i'm gonna i'm gonna start my my second watch through nice uh, very soon hopefully david simon's fucking wonderful like he really is um Generation Kill is one of my favorite miniseries. Um, yeah. Done really well. Um, I don't know if you ever, I think I've asked you before, um, but did you ever watch The Corner? It was something that it was like a precursor to The Wire. It was just like a little six episode, I think, miniseries. That they no, did. I've never seen it. It's, it's pretty good. Very very much along the same lines, just from, uh, I think it's more so from a mother, if I remember correctly, it's a mother-son perspective um, in a Baltimore neighborhood. And I think okay. it's what kind of led to The Wire being made. Um it's it's really good an hbo show as well um yeah i can't say enough nice things about the wire um you know i i can't tell you how many people I, like my friend poteet pushed me to to watch it he actually one christmas speaking of christmas presents just out of the blue bought me the first season on dvd and was just like you need to watch this and i was like okay he's like i've got the other four seasons you can borrow them from me just watch this and keep it and uh that led to me being in love with it and probably spreading it to way more people than than uh than probably wanted it but they were they were all thankful once they got into it um I bet. 
I've been watching a show on Hulu called Hellstrom. Um, not re- it, it, I think it just got released, uh, not this past Friday, but the Friday before. And um, it's really good. It's not the typical type of show that I, I, I would enjoy on a normal basis, but there's something about it that's grabbed me. So it's the, what, the main way I could describe it to people is if you've ever seen the show The Fringe um, and Dexter and The Exorcist, if they were all kind of mushed together into one show. Um, it's really well done. What are you whining about? Got a dog whining. Um, but Hellstrom is actually pretty good. Super dark. Um, I've also been watching um, another. Is it Hulu? There's so many streaming services. It's fucking stupid. Um, it says on Wikipedia that plays within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, does it? I didn't even realize that. Well, it does kind of have that that Marvel feel to it, but it's not. It's it's pretty dark. It doesn't really. Uh, it doesn't really. While they have some powers, they, it doesn't feel like a comic book movie at all. Um, okay. Um, and then I've been watching, I'm trying to remember if it's, I think it's Hulu as well. It's called Monsterland. And it's just these one hour non-serialized stories um, that take place in different parts of the US. Um, we're just, they're kind of merging real life monsters, like people who are, terrible people and and merging stories about monsters with them um mm. it's pretty cool it's really dark though i wouldn't suggest like i wouldn't suggest being like planning on feeling great afterwards if that makes any <laughs> sense um but I like a good gut punch oh man it is it's a nice it's a nice little gut punch and and what's great is it's kind of in that realm of twilight zone and tales from the crypt where it's like they kind of got one person that Oh, I've seen that guy before. It's like kind of one of the characters, you know. Um, they may not be like gigantic celebrities, but they're people you've seen in other movies and other TV shows. Um, are usually like their main focus um, of the character. So a little Black Mirror esque, but like if they were to not focus on technology, but more so like the fucked up side of humanity. Um, okay. Did you um, finish? Was it Lovecraftian land or what was oh, it called? Lovecraft Country. Yes, we did. Lovecraft Country. Holy shit. Would man. you recommend it? Yes. 100%. They just the finale just wrapped okay. up last week and dude the, the the way they shot it, the acting, like it's 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 excellent because they they pretty much kind of like what I was talking about with Monsterland, they kind of like juxtapose you know, Lovecraftian monsters which which can be terrifying with you know, human monsters. You know, because a lot of it takes place around uh, the time of uh, desegregation in the United States, so okay. there's still a very much a racial angle to it. It's it's done really really well. Um, yeah, you'll enjoy it. Um, and just just the, even just the cinematography of it, you're just kind of like the first the first episode. Like I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about how beautiful the episode was for like two days after we watched it. Like I wanted to watch it immediately after it was over. I was like, let's watch it again because that could have been like one of the most beautiful shot episodes of TV I've ever seen. Okay. Um, uh, the only other thing I got is, uh, you know, if you're into that Borat thing, uh, go watch the new Borat because it's pretty, pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching the first one and I think when I watched it the first, oh, not the first time, when I watched it, I think I didn't really understand it. Like I, I didn't understand the comedy behind it. Yeah. Like what he was actually doing while he was doing all that goofy stuff. Like what, what he was exposing while he was doing it. 
But now that I have uh, like an idea of it, uh, I think I'm gonna have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it it's been interesting because we watch it and that and after watching that led to me and the wife probably having like an hour or two long discussion just about all the shit that went on in that and just yeah. how fucked up it all is because it just shines a light on on some weird fucking people and and just on just very very much so like if you look at it from the perspective of he is really kind of fucking with the establishment in a way that they don't realize they're being fucked with or being exposed so he um, had this show didn't he um Ali was G. it on netflix uh no the uh, it was it was relatively new came like i think like two years ago or something i never watched it because uh, i didn't uh was it on uh, let's see sasha Baron. was it netflix or hulu or some streaming site um, it was like uh, he was doing interviews with senators and and stuff i believe oh the spy the spy yeah that i think it was called the spy it was a tv mini series um it was on netflix so it wasn't like a on-running thing i think he did like five or six i do remember when that came out i need to go back and watch it now he's getting ready to be in some some movie that's gonna be he's getting ready to be in some movie that is uh about like some court case and he's doing like a serious role in it so I don't know. I just saw a preview for it the other day. But yeah, the new Borat's really good, especially leading up to it. Like the release time was kind of just perfect with the election being two weeks away. Um, and I bet, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely good for, for a lot of people in this country to see it. it uh, any country really, but this country in particular. Um, but yeah, so those are my things to watch. Um, that and uh, that and by the time probably I do another one, the election will have happened. So stop talking and go vote if you're in north america go fucking vote because that's that's all you can do i don't give a fuck where you're who you're voting for um but just go do it and quit talking that's all i can really say about that (laughs) absolutely um and i'm from germany yeah and i'm from germany please go go vote change change the way the fucking news cycle works please (laughs) i can't look at it anymore (laughs) i'm forced into hiding um but I uh, appreciate you being on, man. I, re- I really do. Um, it's yeah, thanks for inviting me. That was a good was time. A we'll have to do. We'll have to do it again. Um, you can check Absolutely. out. You can check out Fudge on Twitch, Twitch.tv/fudge, and you can check out his music on Bandcamp. Spuntastic on Bandcamp. Um, give me just a second. I'll wrap up the show and I'll be back with you, buddy. All right. Falling down on the job here, looking for my buttons. Um, guys, thank you very much for being uh, being here for the show. Like I said, I'll have links for Fudge's stuff on uh, on LopezRadio.com. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take it easy.